2: To the spoken, the spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell.
1: This is The Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside inside The Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 134 in full swing, full motion. Man, we are so excited to be here, guys, with you this week. Football season is actually in full swing as well as we, we do this show each and every week. You guys know no matter what time of the year it is, we're bringing you something. We're bringing you sports content. But, man, this is by far the easiest time for us to give you sports content because it's just laying in our laps, man. We're ready to break stuff down in the NFL season. Whether you're YouTubing, you're live streaming, or you're podcasting, we thank you for being here with us at The Spoken Podcast. Man, I, I'm going to tell you guys right now, I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to start the show off because we have a lot to get to. We have the Eddie Hour, obviously. We have the Monday Mailbag. we got to hand out some L's. We have our guy from Mark My Words podcast and FS1, Mr. Mark Gunnels, is going to be joining us for the first time ever. We are so excited. I've been trying to get my guy on here for the last couple months. He's a very busy man out there in L.A., but he's one of us out here in Kansas City. We're so glad to have him on to talk some Chiefs football with us. But I want to start today's show with something that's... I want to give you a little more. I want to give you my experience of what took place at Arrowhead this last Sunday. I was actually in attendance. I was with my guy, Clay Wendler from Red Tribe Cinema, who, by the way, just dropped a a freaking hot-ass video, man, re- recapping that Chiefs and Browns game. It was awesome. It was fun. I was glad to play a part in it, as I always do, or as whenever he gets me an opportunity, I always take it, and I never, ever regret it because it was an absolute blast. Clay is the absolute best at what he does when he makes those videos. My guy Shaggy Shane, obviously, uh, in attendance with us, man, the guy that's larger than life. I was just excited just in that fact that I'm hanging out with my, po- my boys, man, the Chiefs Migos, man, we- we we're going to be able to watch a game for the first time ever together. Um... But to say that that was the only reason I was excited is to, is, is to be a liar. Because for the first time in almost two years, I got to experience Arrowhead Stadium. the Everything that comes with it. The tailgating, the fans, football, obviously. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was not, ex- I, I, I was not prepared for what was going to happen, not just in the game, but everything surrounding it. By the end of the game, I felt like, and I talked about this on Shaggy Shane's show directly after the game, I, I was so spent physically and emotionally. I felt like I played in the game. It, it was something that I felt like a lot of fans weren't in shape for either. Like the players, you saw like weird Tyron Matthew. He wasn't physically conditioned and ready to go because he had missed practically in the last two weeks due to COVID-related issues. But I felt like I had the same symptoms, and I sat on my ass for the majority of this game. That's the kind of game and experience we had out there, and I think it goes without say. For anybody that wasn't out there, I know the majority of us that are watching this probably weren't at uh, Arrowhead Stadium on last last Sunday. It it was something that I—and I've been to Arrowhead at least 60 times in my life— I don't know if I've ever experienced that because of the fact that we were all so ready to get back to what we loved doing. It was nothing short of incredible to see everybody out there. I miss the people so much. I miss the experience so much. But I don't want to take away from the game in itself because the game in itself is something that I think is a testament and a testimony to everything that we know about this team in the Kansas City Chiefs. I've been saying all offseason, I've actually been saying for the last couple of years that the thing that the only team that can beat the Chiefs are the Chiefs. And I'm going to give some credit to the Browns here. I'm going to give some credit to the Browns fans cuz they showed up as well. I'm going to say that there was at least 15 to 20,000 Browns fans out there at Arrowhead this last Sunday. They brought it these fans love this team. They've been loyal to this team. In a lot of ways, Chiefs and Browns fans, I think, have a lot of similarities because we've had some serious lows for the majority of our lifetimes. And the Browns and the Browns fans feel that they're finally on that up-and-coming area where the Chiefs are now at and have been since Patrick Mahomes took over in 2018. And the, I feel personally, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to get Trevor and Eddie's thoughts on this game as well, but I personally felt like this was the best that the Browns could have played in this game. They... I mean, you—you you, again, I'm going to bring up the fact that the energy at Arrowhead Stadium was unbelievable, guys. It, before the game started, when Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, and Travis Kelsey came out of that tunnel, my ears were already practically bleeding at that point, man. It was so freaking loud and raucous in that stadium. I felt there was no way the Browns were going to be able to come in here and be prepared for that. And they hung tough. In fact, they were bullying the Chiefs for the first two and a half, three quarters. They were absolutely bullying the Chiefs. They were playing great football. Baker Mayfield was extremely efficient. The run game was extremely efficient. Their offensive line was extremely efficient. Their defensive front seven was extremely efficient. They gave the Chiefs everything they could give them. And it did not matter. I'm going to be honest with you. For the first three quarters, I'm sitting here going, this could legitimately be the first loss that Patrick Mahomes suffers in a September game. It really felt that way. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I was the guy that was sitting here saying, nope, nope, there's no way the Chiefs are losing this game. I was seriously preparing for that. I know my guy Eddie was too because we were texting about it, and uh, he was <laughs> prepared for it by like the first quarter. But nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, I was preparing myself for that. So I'm not going to sit here and say I was a doubter, but I was trying to be a realist because I realized in that moment the Browns are, are, are a worthy opponent. But see what we know each and every time, because the Chiefs throughout the last three, four seasons have faced plenty of worthy opponents. But the end result tells you why I feel the way I do and why I know what I know. That at the end of the day, the Chiefs have something that no other team in the NFL has it's Patrick Mahomes. And I don't mean to oversimplify this. I don't mean to be the guy that sits here and says nothing else matters because other things do matter. A lot of other things could have went in the, in the, in the other direction and the Browns could have still won that game even with Patrick Mahomes having the effort that he had at the end of the game. They still could have won that game. A few things had to go right. Juan Thornhill had to make two crucial plays on the defensive side with breaking up that pass and creating that fumble on Nick Chubb earlier in the game and Ben Neiman retrieving it. Those things had to happen. I'm not going to sit here and say it was all Patrick Mahomes, but the ultimate X factor is always that. You've seen it in every single game they have faced, the other teams in the AFC that are trying to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. This is the ultimate deciding factor. You're seeing what he does with Tyreek Hill, what he does with Travis Kelsey, how he's able to keep his team focused in games and in moments when, it, when teams most of the time crumble. You saw the difference between him and Baker Mayfield. And again, I'm going to give Baker Mayfield a ton of credit. He had a good game. I think he completed 75% of his passes, which is the same as what Patrick Mahomes did. But what was the difference? In the fourth quarter, When things started to really tighten up and the Chiefs made a comeback and they were still trailing, Baker Mayfield could not make the plays he needed to make in the crucial moments, whereas Patrick Mahomes did. So as much as people try to make these rivalries and as much as people try to say the Browns are next or the Bills are next or the Ravens or the Titans are next... That's the difference. Those guys don't have that difference maker. They have good quarterbacks. They have strong foundational pieces. They have franchise quarterbacks. Some of these teams in the AFC have top 10 to 15 quarterbacks. They don't have the guy. They don't have the one that is the ultimate decision maker as far as who is going to represent the AFC on an annual basis. Not to mention the fact that we're talking about a team that is led by Andy Reid, who right now is five games, five wins away from taking the fifth spot all-time in coaches, coaching wins from Curly Lambeau, who is four playoff wins away from being second all-time. And I don't know about you guys. I know that Andy Reid isn't a young guy by any stretch of the imagination. But we know that he's only in year four with the Patrick Mahomes era. And this is why I've said numerous times, I think Andy Reid, in some sense, his career is just getting going. Now, I know that he's coached more than he's ever going to coach again as far as how long in, in, in his career he is, but I would not be shocked if we see another five to seven years of Andy Reid because of those very facts, because he knows he's on the cusp of being arguably the greatest coach that has ever lived. And games like this, performances like this against the Browns are only a representation of what is what more is to come from this Chiefs team. People are getting sick of this team. Think about that. The the net go watch any national game, and I call them out plenty because I just can't help myself. Maybe I shouldn't pay attention, but I do pay attention because I think it's fucking hilarious. We see so many people trying to find the next team in the AFC. We see so many people trying to figure out a way to downplay what the Chiefs have done since 2018, but you can't downplay it because it continues you can't stop what's already going you can't stop the momentum the chiefs have got going and again the browns did everything in their power to win that game most times when you go on the on, on the road and score 29 points and have a defensive game the way they had you win those games almost 100 of the time that's what separates this chiefs team there were some incredible individual performances on both sides the offensive line from the chiefs to me i would look i think if i was some some casual fan had no idea who was on the Chiefs' offensive line. I would have thought that entire offensive line was built by vet- built with veterans. Now, Orlando Brown Jr. did not play that great. How many tackles play great against Miles Garrett? Can anybody point that one not out many. for me? Not many. That dude is a surefire Hall of Fame player, maybe the best pass rusher, maybe the best defensive player outside of Aaron Donald in the league. So yes, Orlando Brown Jr. did struggle. I'm not going to put that on him because of the very fact that he's going against arguably the best defender in the league in his prime. But outside of that, outside of one holding call from Joe Tooney, which, by the way, was shocking as hell. It was a bad call. It was a bad call, by the way. Thank you for that. The rest of this offensive line, you have to give them all the respect in the world, considering that three of the five offensive linemen in this team played their first NFL game against that front seven. And the other two guys who are considered veterans on this offensive line played their first game as a chief. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't know that, you wouldn't have thought that. So I'm going to give the Chiefs offensive line so much credit for what they did because they pre- they protected Patrick Holmes so much. They, they're they they're not at where I believe they're going to be by midseason, but if this is the starting point, sign me up. Mm-hmm. Guys, this is going to be maybe, maybe the greatest offensive line the Chiefs have had since 2003, and I say that confidently. And this is my entire point going into the offseason where I said the Chiefs' main focus needs to be to try to replicate that 3 offensive line that Trent Green had, and they did just that. You guys should be excited about this offensive line. Defensively, I think the Chiefs looked horrible. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't think they played a very Ball good game. Yeah. I didn't think the defense played good at all for the first half. But there's context to this. There's context to this. If you remember correctly, as I re- recollect, was that, uh, that was the Will back Ferrell, back? as I recollect, I, <laughs> you look at the defense as currently constructed going into week 1, you had four guys out. First of all, Tyron Matthew. We all know the cultural differences that there have been from 2018 to just 2019 when Tyron Matthew came here from that point. In fact, of Frank Clark, although we all have our opinions on Frank Clark, we all know that he is a difference maker to some degree. Mm. Just having him out there. Then you have DeAndre Baker, a guy that's worked so hard and so diligently to get to this, get on this roster. Wasn't there either. Not to mention Willie Gay Jr., a player that this defense is going to rely on heavily this season. Wasn't there either with this turf toe injury. So this defense was already set back a lot. Okay? Not to mention the fact that we already described the fact that this is one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line, in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns. So they were doing whatever they wanted to do. Not to mention maybe the best running tandem in the NFL with Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb. And they both balled out in this game. So it shouldn't have shocked us that the Chiefs defense as a whole would struggle considering the four players out, considering the fact it's the first game of the season when you're without with you're without Tyron, Tyron Matthew in itself for the first time in two seasons, there is going to be problems. But overall, and you got I think one of you guys just said it, when it mattered, at the end of the game, the Chiefs' defense stepped up and made big plays. Juan Thornhill, I think, stepped up and played an awesome game. He got picked on early, so did Mike Hughes. They both got picked on pretty early. Charverius Ward played awful. But Juan Thornhill made two of the biggest plays in the game. Ben Neiman made... You guys know me. I'm not a Ben Neiman fan whatsoever. Had maybe the most, the biggest play of the game when Kareem Hunt got caught the ball in the flat. Open field would have ran for 30 yards if no one else got him. Ben Neiman made the open field tackle, and Kareem Hunt's one of the most difficult guys to tackle in the league. Ben Neiman also recovered the 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 fumble that Juan Thornhill had. Mm. I mean, Mike Hughes ends the game on the pick. B- great position on that defensive play. Obviously, you know people people say that they we're going to give Mike Hughes all the credit. What caused that interception was Daniel and Sorensen, Sorensen getting there and sweeping Baker Mayfield's leg. Oh, Master Miyagi would have been super proud for sweeping <laughs> that leg. That was amazing play. So although the defense again contextualizing did not play did not have a good game. With everything considered, they did what they needed to do and was complimentary to the offense. It was a net positive at the end of the day. So again, everything on the ropes. The Chiefs trailing by 12 for damn near the entire game. We're sitting here talking about still the best team in the NFL winning a game they shouldn't have won. If you ain't feeling good, if you don't feel good like I do right now for the rest of this season, not to mention the fact the Chiefs are going into this Ravens game with zero injuries nobody was on the injury report everything is starting to already just in just in a week's time guys it is already showing that the chiefs are set to dominate the afc and the league as a whole trevor you might be right man this this record if they can't lose that game and i don't mean i don't mean to steal my my guy nick wright's take but if the chiefs can't lose this game
0: what game are they losing he stole my take i said that first um that's why immediately after this game was over I said what Nick said like that was my immediate thought like the Chiefs had every had every reason to lose this this, this game and if they were not going to lose this game and find a way to win this and pull themselves out of this game especially in front of your home crowd like what game and and what team on the schedule do you see beating them and topping them cuz I don't know if there's going to be another team that's going to have you know, maybe outside of a, a division rival or, you know, a, maybe a Denver. Because, I mean, we've seen the Raiders catch us last year when no one thought that would happen. Um, definitely caught kind of off, off guard. And I think that's what happened similar to this game is I don't think – I think we were so hell-bent on stopping the run, which I, which I don't blame you. For stopping that, that duo and trying you know, to really focusing in and not having to worry about Baker. But Baker Baker came out firing, man. That Schwartz kid was beating us deep numerous times. He's he's a burner, he's fast. We weren't expecting that similar to that Raiders game, you know, with with the Henry Ruggs burning us deep. So I think we were so hell bent on, on and focused on that offensive line being great, those that, that running back tandem being great. Um, I think, I think that's, we were just so, you know, zoned in on that and, and for good reason, like I said, but at the same time, we got to be balanced on defense and we were missing pieces for sure. Um, I think Frank Clark once back is going to benefit greatly at, at, with having Chris Jones on that edge now. And I think we haven't seen the, the potential to have maybe the best Frank Clark season this season, uh, as a chief. Um, and I think he's, I think that's going to be a big uh, factor moving forward of the season if he can stay healthy. Uh, those two guys are going to do some damage, um, so I'm excited to see that back. But yeah, overall, man, um, offensively, uh, that's a that's a good defensive front. I mean, obviously, uh, Miles Garrett is a monster, man. Um, you know, so anybody matched up with him one on one is going to is going to have a day. Um, so my biggest takeaway, I think, was just the halftime adjustments um, and Patrick staying poised. Um, I don't think there's a fan base that should be more comfortable in a losing situation in the game <laughs> like I don't it's, 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 tr- it's so crazy man like even when I was here watching the game in my living room obviously it was a different experience being at the stadium and you feel every single thing everyone's energy is just combined and it's, a, it's, it's just a unique feeling but when I was here in my house I was never that scared that we were going to lose this game I mean in the back of my mind there's like a little okay man like when is it going to happen when we like, I was just waiting on us to have that moment, and I was very confident heading into the second because the game wasn't really out of reach heading into the second half. I knew, man. Once we had, the, all we had to do is get the defense right because I knew Pat was going to do something. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, when is he not? You know, what I mean, like it, it doesn't. So like, I, as a as a Chiefs fan, like it, it's crazy, man. It doesn't matter what the deficit, what how big the stage is. There's always that that confidence in the back of our mind, like okay, something's going to happen. Andy's going to draw something up. Pat's going to pull something out of his ass. Chris Jones is going to make a play. Or one of these guys is going to make a play. Tyron's going to make a play. I can't wait till we can say that. Get him back out there. But, yeah, I mean, look, look man, you 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 are without your quarterback or your defense, Tyron Matthew, who, who makes sure everybody in, 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 is in place and communicates with everybody. That's huge not having that. And it's, that's why I think we were getting burnt deep because there were some reads out there not being read and not having that experience and that leadership of Tyron Matthew out there was huge. So that was – they were taking advantage of that early, and they jumped out to a comfortable lead, uh, and they had that. And, and Baker balled out, man. He didn't throw any touchdowns. I get that, but Baker was just straight dissecting our defense. He was. He was very accurate the whole day. Um, but I feel like it was like the, the tumbling effect, like the Jenga effect. Once we once we, uh, once we we scored that, that big touchdown, and once they fumbled and all these things, and then, then the muff punt – you just see it man it's it's the it's the Mahomes factor right it, it puts the pressure on these teams that they have to you know they have to be damn near perfect to beat us and if one little thing happens we are going to exploit that and very few teams can really do that a lot of teams when they're down like that and the you know and the and the pressure's on and you're supposed to be this great team you know uh pat just pat just finds a way to overcome that pressure and he invites it to be honest and i'm thankful he's our quarterback so It was a great game. It really, really was. It was a fun game. I wish I could have been there. That was an experience, I'm sure. Um, But, yeah, man, um, I want to see Clyde get some more work. Clyde didn't – I mean, I I get it. This is a tough defensive front, but I want to see Clyde get a little more involved in the passing game. I didn't see it as much. I really want to see that. I think that starts this week. Um, You know what? I'm going to say something real quick to the the Clyde point. I agree. I
1: was hoping that as well. I was also hoping to see more McCole Hardman. I think the biggest issue with that, though, is that in game, and McColl Hardman broke it down. i I'm gonna, I got to give McCole some serious credit because he's been quoted the last couple of days and he's been saying some really logical things. He knows the facts. Okay, he says that, look, if Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey are open and Patrick's throwing them the ball, who am I to sit here and try to get in the way of that? Who, if they're open, throw them the ball. They're two of the best receivers in the NFL. Yeah. Two of the five, in my opinion. I think they're two of the five best receivers at this point in the NFL. They're at that point. So if you can get those guys, if Travis Kelsey's is open on every single throw, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and McCole Hartman are just going to have to continue doing their job yeah. and allow those guys to continue to eat because we know that this offense is at its best when both those guys are eating. And they were eating all day long. No matter how bad the, the Chiefs offense looked at times early in the game, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey were open, and they were getting the throws, and they got in rhythm, and that's why I think ultimately it paid dividends for why they made the run at the end of the game because Patrick already got those guys in rhythm, and their confidence was already there against a stout defense.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we've seen it. I mean, outside of the, best, the last year's Super Bowl, which isn't really a great comp, but just because the defensive line was getting at Pat so much, it wasn't that they were actually shutting Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey down. Pat just simply had no time to make plays. But when you get Pat time to make plays – there, it is impossible to shut both of them down simultaneously. Yep, You have to pick one or the other. And if you pick one or the other and you double-team Kelsey, that leaves a 74-yard touchdown on the board for Tyreek Hill because he's getting single coverage. And that is a mistake every single time unless Pat overthrows him or underthrows him. Tyreek's going to get open on a, on a single coverage. You're not staying with him on single coverage. So it is, it's such a rare dynamic that we have in this offense within the elite play at tight end. And the absolutely elite athleticism at our wide receiver one spot, and then Nicole Hardman being an elite athlete as well, being that third option guy, uh, will we, he will have huge games this year? Um, but yeah, man, I was uh, like I said, it's just one of those. As a Chiefs fan, it's a rare thing. Like when you're down, it, it, it's never much of a real worry. For you know, for the casual fan, maybe yeah, you're like oh, you're you're, you're freaking out. I, I just never, I never had that like deep like ah. Oh, I think this game's over. I never really felt that. It had it had to be over for it to be over for me. Like I had to see the final seconds tick off the clock for me to accept accept that game was over. Because with Pat, man, it does not matter. Um, especially going against Baker and, and, and you know these other teams that are supposed to be great. That's how I feel heading into this Baltimore game, and we'll get to that. I know, but like, it, there's just I have this unwavering faith in Pat. Man, he's in, he's he you know he's proven it. So uh, yeah, great game. Great defensive adjustments at the half. Chris Jones came out there and set the tone. Got him a couple sacks. It was great to see that he's on great pace this year already. Coming off the edge, getting the two sacks already. I'm super happy for him. Against a great offensive line. Wait till you see what he's gonna do against some of these shitty offensive lines. Some of these quarterbacks that crumble and under pressure. Chris Jones is gonna eat this year, guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for it. Um, yeah, man. Great win. Uh, like like you like we started off with you know saying like you know if they if they can't drop this game, if they overcome this game with all that pressure and everything stacked against them in a rough start, the other team playing damn near perfect until the final minutes. Who's gonna beat this team,
2: man? Yeah, what a game that was. It was uh it was pretty pretty uh pretty good. Um with the defense, the the defense likes to uh start the season I guess every year uh slow they like to fill out yeah they just like to pick it up in the second half for some reason and that was the same model last year and the model in the Super Bowl year and the model the year before that so <clears throat> i don't know what it is that this defense just doesn't like to show up in the first half like th- there was there's plays out there that they, they just got smoked and baker mayfield was just throwing dimes and it, it, there were uh, Chubb and uh <clears throat> Cream Cremont were just running like it wasn't shit. Like, there was no defense there. Uh, everybody struggled in the front. The front seven struggled to even get to Baker Mayfield. I don't think they even... Did they get a second in the first half? N- no, no, no. It was the a, a second, yeah, it was it was second was, half. Yeah, both sacks yeah, they came in the second half.
3: Because
2: I don't remember them touching Baker Mayfield until the sacks, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I, I, just think, I think we're hesitant to bring pressure yeah, they without Tyron They didn't Tyron no pressure there. to yeah. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was having a, a field day out there. It's a good old line. Uh, uh, Thornhill, I thought Juan Thornhill had a had a decent game. Uh, he did start pretty slow. He was getting smoked, like you said. Him and Mike Hughes were getting picked on by Baker Mayfield. Uh, but as the game went on, we we saw <clears throat> we saw him, Hughes, and everybody start <clears throat> Jesus start making their <laughs> own start making plays, you know. Uh, yeah. But overall, I think the defense had like a. I'm gonna go with a C grade game. I, I think they they could they could have had uh, a better game. Uh, with the talent that they have, even with the people missing, I think they had enough talent to uh, to still have a good game. But obviously, the the absence of, uh, of uh, Tyron Matthew really affected the defense. <clears throat> I didn't think it was going to affect them that, that much. But throughout the first half, I was like, oh my god, they, they are missing that leader presence in that defense. I, th- I honestly thought that Chris Jones was going to take that leadership role. But but it seemed like he was just focused on him and and him only trying to get that sack. And and I think everybody was trying to make their own plays in the first half. They weren't trying to make a team plays. They were just trying to make their own plays. And and I think that's what affected them a little bit. Uh, but with the adjustments at halftime, I think they came back second half and they had a, a pretty bad uh, pretty bad start on the second half because the, the Browns went in and scored a touchdown on their first drive. But after that... Uh, I believe Nick Chubb fumbled, and then they had the muff punt. And so a, lo- a little bit of the things went their way um, on the defensive side. Some mistakes that the Browns made uh, favored the the Chiefs defense. Uh, so I think that made up for, for the first half, in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah, uh, offensive-wise, man, it, it was beautiful seeing Patrick Mahomes have had that amount of time that he had. There were some plays where he had to run out of pocket – and then there were some that he just decided to run out of outside the pocket. When he he, he had a clean pocket, he just he I guess he just likes to run to the sides. Especially, I think he favors his right side more than oh, go, running left. It's a I think it's a rhythm thing. Yeah, yeah. he it's just like runs. A, he runs to the right. He just, yeah. like he hikes the ball. He was avoiding Miles Garrett. I think he that's he what it like, was. Yeah, to, he just runs to the right. Yeah. Uh, Orlando Brown had a pretty pretty rough game, but I mean it's his first game, and like you said, I mean it's Miles Garrett, arguably the best at that position. As of right now, I think. So, you gotta give uh, Brown, Brown some credit because there were there were some plays that he made that kind of you know put a little bit of stop on on Miles Garrett, uh, slowed him down. Yeah. Uh, which is I I think the only thing you can do is just slow him down. He'll eventually get to the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Offensive line was fantastic. The the Niang uh, Smith and Humphrey. Trey
1: Smith, Pancake Papa, oh, baby. Dude.
2: I loved Humphreys, bro. Sometimes he was taking two defenders at once. I don't know if you've seen that, but he was yeah. taking up. Two at the same time. I told so you Humphrey, guys I met I met uh,
1: I met Creed Humphrey's family before the game at the tailgate, and his dad looked like a, like an albino Hulk. I mean, his dad was bigger <laughs> than Creed. It's it was stupid. I thought it he was, would be the specimen of his yeah, family. It, it, his family was
0: see, huge. He man, he had an amazing
2: game. I don't way. think he, he he I don't think he let let any pressure. There was zero pressures. Zero, pressure Creed Henry, zero, zero yeah, pressures. Zero yeah, pressures.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say. Did you guys watch the uh, the mic'd up with Travis Kelsey? I did not. Yes, I did. Oh my god, yes, I, I need to watch it. I the, I best, need, the best, the best part is, it. I'll just I'll say right now. The best part of the video is, <laughs> obviously, throughout the video, he's him and he's like hyping up Creed the whole time, yeah. trying to get him like the juices flowing for Creed. Yeah. It's hilarious. Like their little like relationship is funny throughout the video. Um, <laughs> but the part where where the seventy four yard touchdown was thrown to to, to Tyreek. <laughs> you can see that they're like simultaneously showing uh, Pat rolling out to the right and Travis is like looking at him. He's like, oh shit. <laughs> and then as soon as he throws it, uh, uh, <laughs> what does Ta- uh, Travis says? Tra- uh, Travis goes, "See ya. or something like that. Or, is, or is, yeah, I think he says, "See ya. or something like that. Dude, it's just you gotta watch it. It's so oh, good. Yeah, I, I haven't seen The whole seen video that. is hilarious, bro.
1: Well, yeah. let's and let's. I mean, I'm gonna agree with both you guys. I, I didn't like the way the Chiefs came out defensively. Mental, the mentality was. I understand yeah. not having Tyron Matthew. Is, is obviously a humongous loss, yeah. but we talked about this last week about how I think the Chiefs were able to still be
0: able to bring pressure. Like I said, I thought Chris, jo- for the I thought first Chris
2: Jones words. for a fact was going to take that yeah. leadership role because he there is- were zero blitzes it's, for the first yeah, half. It's,
0: and it's hard for an, an edge rusher to, to to be the leader of the defense. You have one goal is to but, get to the quarterback. Well, I, I get it, you but, don't see the offense from afar. You're not reading quarterbacks. No, I, really. I know, I know,
2: but I'm saying that leadership role like, hey, let's fucking put uh, – you know, like let's, rah rah. He's yeah, always let's rah rah, but... pump him up. You know, like hey, let's do this, fucking. Let's.
0: That's what Tyron is, man. Yeah, that's, but that's a... what I'm I, th- like I thought this. I, I thought
2: I thought Chris Jones was gonna take that that leadership bro. I thought he was gonna get into his defense, be like, hey, you fucked up. Make sure you do this. You're <laughs>
0: obsessed guys, come on. Yeah, so
2: I th- I honestly <laughs> thought he was yeah. getting, because he is that superstar. Yeah. Outside of Tyron, it, it's Chris Jones, and he is that. He should be the second leader of that defense. It's gonna be and... Nick Bolton soon.
1: <laughs> well, that's that was the next thing I was going to bring up is the fact that I felt that although Nick Bolton didn't have a great game by any means, second, second time he made some pretty key plays too. Yeah. That I think is going to add some comfortability with the coaching staff to trust him. First, first game, he looked comfortable and, and yeah, on third downs and, and and big moments on the games because Ben Neiman's always going to be that safety valve for some reason that this team wants to go to and go to that well every time. And with Willie Gay being out for the next two to three weeks, yeah. you're you're going to need Nick Bolton to play well, especially against a Ravens team that's going to run the ball. Of, I believe effectively no matter who they have out there. Yeah, I think that you're going to see that I think it's what it was it over 40 straight games now the Ravens have rushed at least 100, 100 yards on the ground. That's an I think it's a NFL record if I'm mistaken or well, at least it's to, leading the, the more, league the by, more by
0: far. Throws, the more yeah, like, so we'll so with there.
1: this Browns team that we knew was going to run the ball effectively to see Nick Bolton still go out there and get tackles for losses in his first game, the moment not being too big for him, Damn. I think speaks volumes about how this defense got him going, and Spags, I think, really dialed it up late in the game, which is everything to this to that, because you saw Baker Mayfield the moment he got pressured, yep. he, he crumbled, which is why I was frustrated, because I understand all these pieces that were out, and I know that the defense made the plea moments and key moments. I didn't like, though, that Spags was so conservative to start the game off. I'm sure he was trying to, you know, counter or, you know, to see what the, what the Browns are going to bring in. By the way, Stefanski absolutely bowled out with his a play calling. Coach, Unbelievable play cool. calling. Oh, yes. He's going to be one of the best oh. coaches for a while. And I do believe that OBJ is going to be traded soon because he's now going to be out this week as well That's and he's not injured enough going. for it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some suspect you know, issues with that whole thing, but I, I will say though that I, I think Spags could have honestly had a better game as as a defensive coordinator. I'm not going to get on him too much because again, he was out. The, he was without his general, and we know how this defense plays when Tyron Matthews out there. I think it's only been what six games in Tyron Matthews' Chiefs mm-hmm. tenure. They've they've given up 29 or more points six times in over two seasons. That's that's saying something, and that's playoffs included, by the way. So. Um, I, I do think that this defense is going to obviously play a lot better as the season progresses. Not well, just because, to. not just because of roster they availability, will. Will. but because of the fact they're not going to be facing the Browns every week. Yeah. And the Browns again are a worthy opponent of all the AFC teams right now. They probably are the best matchup for the Chiefs because you see the way that the Chiefs have played against the Ravens, the way they played against the Bills, the way they played against the Titans. I know the Titans won in Week Ten in 2019, but literally everything went wrong in that game for the Chiefs to end, for the Titans to even win the game. Yeah, so, ball the fuck. Out, 440. Man six yards and three touchdowns in that game they should have won yeah it isn't a matchup thing as to why the titans won that game and if you saw the way that the titans defense played against the cardinals this week i don't think they're gonna be that bad all year Mm -hmm. but you see the deficiencies and so if you look at the afc landscape right now the only team that gives the chiefs an honorable matchup to me is the browns and again to bring up my entire point of bringing up this entire game is the fact that that i feel that the browns i don't think the browns will play the chiefs that good again I really don't. I don't think you're going to see a damn near perfect That game. yes, they played yeah. a damn near perfect game. They had. dude, they did have two turnovers and those did cost them. Yeah. Well, yeah, the punt because they didn't turn the ball over. There was a punt, but he deflected it. The point is is that I don't think the Browns could give a better effort than what they did and they're not going to be as healthy cuz let's in say they Arrowhead. face let's say they face each other again. Yeah. We're talking about 18, 19 weeks at the earliest from now. So both teams are going to be in two different separate situations, and they're going to probably have to go back to Arrowhead well, now yeah. that the Chiefs have a, a one game up on them, not just in the win call, yeah.
0: but the tiebreaker. And as think well. about the psychological side of it too, because now we're now at this point we're in we're in Cleveland's head, just like we're in the Ravens' head. They've had two opportunities in the playoffs, and then this game <laughs> where they lost to Chad Henney, and then they lost this way. You know, so at this point it's like, dude, what what else can we do? Like Baker, you know, we're in Baker's head at this point. Yeah. Because at this point, like Baker played a damn near perfect game, is extremely efficient and accurate, and still lost. And this adds so much more pressure to the Browns because now
1: they have to look at this and go, we have to either pay Baker or figure something else out. We just took this guy number one overall in 2018, yeah. and he can't beat the only team that's going to be in our way.
0: And I will say this too about our defense. I, I fully expect our defense to be really really good moving forward this season. Once we have everybody back and healthy and we get into our own, because uh, there's still some meshing that's got to go on we were starting a you know a rookie linebacker out there against maybe the best running game running tandem in the leagues so, and one of the best o-lines so i mean you gotta look like a great defense last year especially especially a, a great defensive front you know struggled against uh with the buccaneers they struggled against the the cowboys and should have lost that game Dak was carving up that buccaneers defense um you know and then the ravens blowing it to the raiders not a good offense or good team in my mind they shouldn't have lost that game, but they were, you know, so there's some early, really good defenses that everyone was expecting to be really good, and they're struggling, you know, so this is week one form, I'm fully expecting these guys, once we get Frank Clark back to to, to counteract Chris Jones, and once Tyron's back, do this defense, I think this defense. And then said, uh,
2: Shaggy Shane uh, commented on, on the live feed, he said that the team that can challenge the cheese is the Chargers.
0: They look good. I'm not gonna lie; they do look good. Herbert looks great. I right? know,
2: I know, Shaggy. And
1: a lot of people are big on the Chargers this year. For me, though, I, I'm with Patrick. I'll, I'll, I'll see it when I believe it, or believe <laughs> it when I see it. However you said it. Well, I mean, that defense looks good too. They, though. they got it right yeah. at quarterback. They got it right at quarterback. But even that, I'm gonna say it real quick, and we're gonna get to the Eddie Hour. I will say this to, to Shaggy and to everybody else that feels that way about the Chargers. Yeah. Um, let's not pretend like Justin Herbert played very well against Washington. I know he, I know he had 337 yards, which is the same as Patrick Mahomes, but he had 47 pass attempts, which is 11 more than Patrick and he only had one touchdown and an interception with an 85 quarterback rating. And Herbert's the guy I believe in. I think Justin Herbert, by the end of this season, could surpass guys like Josh Allen and people like that because he's that talented, he's that good. My concern has always been Chargers' health. So far, they've been healthy. So far. We're one week in. Like, let let's see this team. Let's see Joey Bosa and Derwin James play 12, 13 games yeah. before we start sitting here and crowning this team. And let's see them actually get into the playoffs and do something. But let's see Justin Herbert in a crucial game. Let's see him in the playoffs. But even with we the can injuries, talk about even that.
0: last year they lost a lot of games due to coaching. Last year, though, yes. they should have won like five other right. extra games. And now they're and now it was not a talent now, issue or a that, health issue. There's it was now bad even bad coaching situation. Well, they didn't have Derwin James all last season. I know. No, no. And they, yeah. they should they should have won about ten games. Last
1: but year. now we're sitting here looking at Brand Staley as their head coach. We have no idea what he's going to be, yeah. so that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of questions with this charge team. So I, I get the talent, and yeah. I understand Justin Herbert's big time. That's a big one. Let's against just Washington let's see this. this season, let, let's let this team prove themselves before we start crowning. That's all I'm going to say. I don't think that we can sit here and call them the biggest contender to the Chiefs at this point when they have done nothing. They've done no, nothing, not they've the done nothing to this but in this division,
0: maybe. Yes, in this yeah. division they might be.
1: I'm, I'm sticking with the Broncos. Yeah, I like the Broncos. I'm sticking too. With the Broncos. Bridgewater right now. looks good. Yeah. yeah. So let's get let's uh, let's go ahead and get to the Eddie hour. And by the way, if you have any takes or anything you guys like to bring up about this Chiefs Browns game from last week. Hit us up on Twitter at the Spoken Pod on Facebook, at the Spoken. We're even on Instagram at the Spoken Podcast. Hit us up, follow us, let us know what you think. Eddie, what's in
2: the Eddie Hour? All right, man. Uh, first question is, uh, what happened to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers?
1: That's been a great. That's a great question. It's been something that's been spoken. I think honestly, this week that's been talked about more yeah. than the Cowboys. Like that's from the national media. That's almost unheard of that something gets talked about more than the Cowboys. But nevertheless. Um, I think there's some there's some interesting theories about this one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it as simple as possible. I just think the Saints played a better football game than the Packers did. And I think David Bakhtiari was extremely missed because you saw how pressured Aaron Rodgers was all game long. There is something to the fact that Aaron Rodgers essentially took off this entire offseason and didn't play football, didn't practice much, didn't do a whole lot with his teammates. I think that did show. Do I believe that this is gonna be something that continues throughout the season? No. The Packers are too damn good. Aaron Rodgers is too damn good. They're going to eventually start playing some better football, and I think it's going to be uh, this week against the Lions when they just absolutely beat the shit out of them. But if the Packers struggle against the Lions, we got some problems on our hands, guys, and I think that this is also showing the Packers should have gotten out from Aaron Rodgers this last offseason because now this is going to be a distraction. Even if the Packers go and win seven, eight straight games, there's still going to be that well you remember how they played against the saints though now they're gonna be facing another team that's got a pretty good defense can they handle it and let's say that that inevitable loss the the packers have down the road you're going to have those Aaron Rodgers questions. You're going to have more memes of him being a catalytic converter uh, stealer. You know, you're going to have more memes of Patrick of Aaron Rodgers looking the way he looks, and does he care anymore? This is going to be a season-long distraction for the Packers, which i why I'm not big on them being a Super Bowl team because I think this stuff's a way too they're heavy a, on the roster a as a whole.
0: Pick too for sure. Yeah, there a, a lot of people are picking the Packers this year. I, I, I like I have a semi love for the Packers and Aaron, more Aaron Rodgers than the Packers, but. Yeah, it was a rough game all around for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that pressure, that pressure was getting to him. That O line was not holding up. Uh, Aaron Rodgers could not get anything going. It was a weird game though. Jameis was good, but he was not great. Even though it was what thirty eight to three, five like, touchdowns, five touchdowns Th- on twenty throws. He only threw twenty. He's extremely times. efficient, and he had five. To, well, his tomorrow, trainer
1: told him, "Just be prepared. Just be prepared."
0: Yeah, <laughs> hey, we, 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 and I might have been. I might be wrong on the Saints this year. They might win a lot of games, not like that in that fashion, as far as that highest scoring. But they might be a really efficient led offense with Jameis, and that might be a really good defense this year because that defensive front's been good for a while. Uh, Cam Jordan's an absolute beast. Uh, um, and they have good safety play and really good corner play, so I mean that could be a very good defense this year. And um, you know, I, I just I felt like the they were going to come out flat. You know, with not having the home games early, all that stuff going on with the weather out there and all that. But Aaron Rodgers came out flat; was a bad game. But if if, if you're Aaron Rodgers, if you're and you're going to have you know maybe a career worst game, week one's the time to do it. You know, what I mean it's it, it, a lot of teams fall flat week one. It is what it is. Aaron Rodgers typically plays well against the Saints. Um, but I just, yeah, man, I don't know. This this could be a better Saints team than I gave them credit for. I think I had them third in the division. I could be wrong on that. Um, it was just one of those games where I just got away, and there was no getting it back. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this, this Packers roster is good enough to. They're better at playing with it from a lead. As great as Aaron Rodgers is, there's just not enough weapons on this offense, and it, those guys t- don't tend to t- stay healthy. Even Devontae Adams for a lot of times, you know, gets banged up throughout the uh, season. So. I don't know, man. I, I, I was never that big on the Packers. I have them making the playoffs. I think it's the fourth seed in the NFC. But I, I they're definitely not a Super Bowl pick of mine by any means. Um, I just, yeah, with all the, I just think the reason this is getting so much headlines because all the offseason drama uh, or the, yeah, that was going on with Aaron Rodgers. You know, was he, there was even like headlines, was he throwing the game and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I just think it was. Oh, he was the,
1: throwing the game, maybe not intentionally, but yeah. he was
0: throwing the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was rough, man. were oh, those some, interceptions? There were some bad ones. There were some bad ones. <laughs> he did
1: get hit in the dick on the on the one interception,
0: which I'll give him yeah, a pass dick on. Hits, that that, dick ha- that hits are, are a factor. Yeah,
1: but that Hail Mary throw was, that might have been the worst throw I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers throw. Yeah, that yeah, was, horrible. it was just
0: desperation. Yeah. And you don't see a lot of desperation out of Aaron Rodgers a lot of times. That's one of the most poised relaxed quarterbacks of all time. Um, the guy stays cool under pressure a lot of times. So, uh, yeah, it was just – it was a train wreck from the jump, man. The Saints just owned him, and the Saints didn't have to do much. It just, it just looked like everything came easy to the Saints that game. And then Jameis was just reaping all the benefits, throwing only 20 times with five passing touchdowns. Was,
2: man, and yeah. I was reading somewhere that uh, Jameis Winston, uh, the touchdown he threw, I think, traveled over 50 yards. Yeah. In the air, and – he pretty much beat Drew because Drew Brees, Drew Brees never, never had yeah, 50 no.
0: air yards in, in his entire career yeah. in the Saints.
2: Which is fucking. That's wild, <laughs> insane. Yeah, yep. I
0: heard that stat too. Yeah. I was like, "What? Drew Brees never had a 50 yard, yeah, a 50 like, yard ball? What? <laughs> his whole career with the Saints?"
2: And then the other one was, uh, <laughs> I think this is Aaron Rodgers' biggest defeat. I think I was reading that. Yeah, dude, this is his biggest loss. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That biggest yeah. deficit for sure. I mean, 38 to three, like it was ridiculous. Yeah. All
2: right. Next question: Is Heineke the QB to lead Washington to the playoffs this year?
0: I think yes.
1: Um, I I posted this poll on our uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook feeds about whether people believe that he's a legitimate starter. Now, I don't want to be I don't want to be prisoner of the moment about this one game. Which, by the way, the Giants absolutely blew this game. Let's not sit here and act like yeah. Washington just won it outright. That offsides penalty was just and the crushing.
0: Behind Heineke was bad.
1: But I will say that I saw something in Heineke, man, that I feel gives the the Washington football team a lot of promise is the fact that he is a, he is such a, a net positive for this offense. He gets the ball in the playmaker's hands. He's extremely accurate with the football. He makes really good decisions. He's poised in the pocket. He is undersized, but I don't feel that he's ever overwhelmed by the moment. And that was on national TV against a divisional rival. He was not expected to be the starter. Ryan Fitzpatrick was supposed to be the guy going into this season. And I felt that Heineke brought something from that Buccaneers playoff game from last season into this game, and he fed off the crowd. He really kept the crowd into the game. He was giving them opportunities on third downs as well to extend drives. I'm not saying Heineke is going to be like this truth, like where he's going to become this, you know, 10, 12-year quarterback in the league as a starting quarterback. What I am saying, though, is we've seen things like this happen, where guys that no one knows, no one expects to be great, all of a sudden become a franchise quarterback. So I'm open, I'm open to the idea that Heineke can become a franchise quarterback. I think it's extremely early to say that, but from everything I've seen from him to this point as a member of Washington has not been negative enough for me to doubt him. So I'm gonna give him some credit for what he's done for this team, and I do believe he is a guy with what I've seen so far, can lead this team and allow the defense to be the, the front runner of what makes this team successful allowing Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio run that defense and elite defense it's going to get better as the season progresses so yes I think he's that guy
0: I don't, I don't I'm not going to even think of the idea that if he's a franchise guy yet um it's it's I like him I like what I saw he's making some tough throws especially that one to Ricky Seals Jones that was an, an incredible sequence uh great catch and throws incredible um but we, we've seen guys like this come in um that don't really have any pressure because they're not supposed to be there but once they realize that they are the guy and like you know the weeks go on and they are the guy and then there's the pressure starts building up because there's actual expectations for them now that's when it changes that's when you see if they actually have that internal fortitude to be a guy franchise guy i he's definitely not in the plans to be the franchise guy that was supposed to be Fitzpatrick this year Fitzpatrick was supposed to be this guy the guy this year this is similar to me to when like a coach gets fired midseason interim coach comes in and all of a sudden the team has new juice because there's like a new voice and there's this and there's that but then that fades. Yeah, but know. to that point though, that we've seen
1: teams when an interim coach comes in and, and, and coaches the team well and they have a good record, they end up becoming the coach. Yeah, and then just the like of those quarterbacks. Fall flat though. I know, but I'm saying like we season. saw we saw Tony Romo, an because undrafted player Tony Romo who's an undrafted player that no one expected, mm-hmm. replaces Drew Bledsoe who got injured. Then became the franchise quarterback for a better part of a decade. Yeah. I'm just saying, like Heineke wasn't the guy, but there's a reason why they didn't go and sign somebody else or trade for somebody else. They went and got Ryan Fitzpatrick. Kept Heineke. I think there's a reason for that because I believe they believe Heineke can step in and be that guy. You're right. Yeah. It's too early to call him a franchise guy. It, yes, without question. Yeah. But it would it shock you if in six games the football team is you know five and one. Of would course. It shock.
0: You? No. Yeah. I've seen worse quarterbacks win. Um, I like him. I like him a lot. I like I like his attitude. I like he's you know he's like this traditional like American boy like has that good vibe to me like you can tell he has that winner's mentality in him um and he's kind of perfect for Ron, Ron Rivera honestly he, he runs a tight ship uh doesn't do too much but he's very athletic sneaky athletic very mobile I like his game I just don't know like once expectations become a thing and he's expected it and that was a great performance but now the teams are on board with him or now the fans are on board with him I mean so you know, once the fans are on board, the coach is expecting you to be. But he's in a good spot. I will say that he's in a good spot. He's got perhaps a top three defense in this league, a good offensive line, good offensive weapons. It, it's it's a, it's a formula for success in this league, and I think I still think they won a lot of games this year. You know, with Fitzpatrick, and it, honestly, look, youth is a factor too. Fitzpatrick got hurt because he's getting up there in age, man. He's 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 been around uh so Heineke has the ability to he has that escape to him a lot better than Fitz does so that can you know extending plays without all those playmakers out there could be a big thing for them uh, and it showed granted he should have threw that game away with that interception the Giants should have capitalized but the Giants countered that and said hold my beer so you know what I mean so Daniel Jones did, did what he does best and you know fails so Heineke man kudos that was a great game great game of football honestly it was fun to watch and um I think Heineken could definitely win double digits games this year, and I still feel confident in my pick with Washington this year.
2: Ooh. As long, well, you don't have him deep in the playoffs like Lance does. So
0: I have him in the NFC championship. <laughs> yeah, I don't have that. I do. <laughs> I do. I, I I still like them a
1: lot. You still though. believe in that? I still do. Because, I mean, you didn't see much of a drop off from what Fitzpatrick brings. Like, could. If Fitzpatrick had 306, was it was a 346 yards and two touchdowns and a pick.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, I think, I think he's got just as thing. much yeah. more and more talent than Fitz. I. For me, it's the psychological part. This kid knows I'm not supposed to be here right now, which can be – it depends on the individual. Mm. People can take that and run with it. Yeah. Or some people can take that and expectations and crumble. Washington's one of those few teams in the league, though, that that doesn't rely on their
1: quarterbacks to be the end-all, be-all. They're a lot like San Francisco, which is why I compared them to San Francisco from 2019. The Jimmy Instead Garoppolo were, was just being efficient, letting yeah. the run game and their defense do the job, and that's why they got to the Super Bowl. No World. man, I
0: can I can see it could be like a call Colin next situation. Great defense, a lot of good weapons on that team, good loaded yeah. roster from top to bottom, and they made a Super Bowl run. Yep, of cap, exactly, so, yeah.
2: Man, back to back great games for Thursday Night Football. Yeah, it's amazing. only man, can they're they gonna hold a, a W for
1: yeah. that one. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what is it? Some shitty matchup next week, so it should be a good game again. I think it's like Jaguars and. Uh, yeah. I forget who it Titans, was. I think. Yeah, it was Jaguars and Titans or something I, like that. It was. It's yeah, been, it's been. It's so it's been probably gonna be a great, great game. It's probably gonna be like you know, thirty-one to twenty-eight again. You know, Dude, thirty to twenty-nine.
2: Game, that game on Thursday was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it was good. And then the Giants threw it all the way with the uh, offensive. Uh, offensive. Uh, was it foul what the fuck do you call it? The encroachment. No, what the fuck? Oh, you call? the offsides. 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 Yeah.
0: yeah. That was crazy. Yeah, man. Are you talking about the field goal? Yeah. Where he missed it? Yeah, oh, man.
2: And Sean Sharp was like, dude, you're standing right on top of the football. How the fuck did you like that? Yeah,
0: that's, that was bad. Unacceptable.
2: That was crazy. All right, let's move into uh, Major League Baseball. So, the MLB has now made September 15th Clemente Day to celebrate the life and legacy of Roberto, Roberto Clemente. Mm. Thoughts.
1: I think it's overdue. I mean, if we're being honest here, I think we we got a guy that revolutionized the game in so many ways just from a cultural perspective. He had one of the greatest arms in right field history. Uh, incredible hitter. I think that this guy should have been honored a long time ago, and I love the fact that we're finally doing this for a sport that's been around as long as Major League Baseball has been. I feel that this is something they probably should have done a long time ago. I, 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 he retired what in the late 70s, early 80s, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a long time, and I think that it should have been done a long time ago. But I love that they're finally doing it.
0: Yeah, I don't got much more to add to that. I mean, that's it's it's you honor your best players, and he's definitely one of the best players, especially of his era. Um,
2: so yeah, the honors do. Alright man, this is going to be a tough question for you guys <laughs> Who is going to win uh, The most uh, Who's going to have the most home runs After the end of this season Guerrero Jr. with 46 Because he has 46 right now mm-hmm. Perez has 45 And then Altani has 44 I think it's gonna be Salvi.
1: I think Salvador Perez is the only thing that sucks is I think it's just gonna be where Salvi ends up breaking the record for the Royals, which is 48 set by Horacio just a year ago mm. or two years ago. I'm sorry. Um, I, I, I'm so confident in what Salvi's doing. He's so locked in, and I think that that's gonna be the guy that ends up doing it. Yeah, Salvi's my pick.
0: I'm gonna go with my homer pick as well. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I think Salvi's got the best chance. And when Salvi's hot, Salvi's on a streak right now. So I mean that, and plus there's not a lot of expectations. So just swing away, big guy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So.
2: I just want a last question, or I guess more like a pissing me off kind of thing. (laughs) So, the first pitcher to 18 wins this season is the Mexican pitcher for the LA Dodgers, Julio Diaz. And the only mentions he's gotten is from the Dodgers and LA Sports Radio and LA Sports. Why hasn't he gotten any mentions anywhere else in major broadcasting? And it's also Hispanic Heritage Month. Why, why haven't we seen anything about him? It's not like he has a bad ERA. I think it's like 2.9. So it's like, why is he not being talked about enough even when he's the first to 18 wins?
1: That's a great That's a great question. I think the biggest reason, if I had to create a theory, because obviously I'm not in their market, I don't really know how they view him. Honestly, we can find out. We have people, I mean, Mark Gunnels is going to be on the show in about, Two minutes. He's in the LA area. Maybe he can answer that question. What I would say though is that because of the fact that the Dodgers are in not only LA where it's stars across the board in all sports they have out there, but also the fact that his own team. He's probably what. The eighth, ninth most uh, p- important player—not important, but most famous. They have so many names on that roster alone. Just with the trade of getting Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, I think that there's a lot of names on that team that just kind of overlap him. Not necessarily better players that just overlap him. That's my only theory on it.
0: Yeah, I would ask. I would I put the question on you. I know you asked the question, but I would like to hear your, you know, how, how you feel about it. It
2: just—it's it's annoying because he obviously he's the first to 18 wins. Uh, I don't think another pitcher's. Close to 18 wins right now. I think they're like two, three, four, two, three, away. four. You
0: just feel he's deserving of more credit than. Yeah,
2: they, then he's getting like the only credit he's getting from is from the Dodgers and LA sports media. Yeah, it, it's kind of frustrating. More national. It, yeah, recognition. more national uh, uh, news or any uh, recognition. Sports. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And it, it's kind of like it's uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, so it's kind of like this is the perfect time to put him out there. He is a starting pitcher for the Dodgers. It's not like he's a fucking rotation player. Yeah. So, he, I, I just think he, he deserved, or deserves more recognition than what he is getting currently right now. So and he's Hispanic. Come, sure. it's, it's, it's <laughs>
0: <frustrating. It's laughs> Come on. It's frustrating. Come on, guys.
2: Yeah.
1: So. All right. Is that it for the Eddie Hour?
2: That's it for me. All right. We
1: appreciate it. We're going to be having our guy, Mark Gunnels, on in just a second. I think he's logging in now. Um, is, is he with us right now? Or
2: we're, just, we're just waiting. I think he just walked away for a little bit.
1: So he'll be back. Okay, cool. Awesome. Oh. Um, the thing I have when it comes to I I actually oh, is, is he back? Okay, perfect. Okay. Um is he with us now? I yeah, can't hear I'm, anything.
2: I okay. You want me to add to
1: the yeah, let's go ahead and let's bring him let's on do now. It. So we have, and this is guys, I'm really excited about this. I hope you guys are as well. Uh, host of the Mark My Words sports podcast, uh, Arrowhead Pride contributor. He's also a contributor with FS1. He's in the LA area, but he is one of ours. He's a KC native. He's a friend of the show now because we can officially bring him on. Man, let's give it up for my guy, Mark Gunnels. Gunnels, how are we doing tonight, brother? How you doing, man? Good, brother, good, brother. Good to finally have you on. Yeah. It's been something that's been in the works for a couple months now. But nevertheless, in the football season, this is what we agreed upon, and you are a man of your word. You're yeah. with us here at the Spoken Podcast, making time in the L.A. area, representing KC. How are yeah. you
4: today, my friend? I'm good, man. You know, I really mess with you because, you know, it's only like 9 o'clock out here. So, <laughs> on a, on a, see, on a thank you. Get that coffee, man. <laughs>
1: That's love, man. That's love. Yeah. But, see, I, I got to get your thoughts, man, because you and I, I believe, see a lot of things similarly. We're usually on the same page when it comes to the Chiefs, when it comes to LeBron. But, nevertheless, I got to get your thoughts on week one. Chiefs versus Browns. I gave my entire diatribe, my monologue to open up this show, but I got to get your thoughts. What were some of your takeaways, both positively, possibly negatively, when it came to the Chiefs, when it came to the Browns, and how this could be maybe a potential rematch in
4: the playoffs uh, later this year? So let's start with the negatives first. Let's get that out of the way. Um, the tackling for the Chiefs was kind of disappointing, uh, Obviously. But I mean, at the same time, they were missing three starters. So let's consider that. And the national media seems to forget about Willie Gay. They're just mentioning Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark. But I'm under the impression that Willie Gay has pro goal potential. Like, I think he's a guy that can change this defense. He's a guy that we didn't have in the middle of the field as far as athleticism. He can make plays sideline to sideline. So I'm excited for when he comes back. I think he's a Big, big part of this defense moving forward. Um, And then also I would also say, you know, the offensive line, especially the tackles, like Orlando Brown had a rough game, but you're going against Miles Garrett. So, you know, you kind of got to give you a little bit of leeway there. And Lucas Niang has some rough patches as well. But the middle did really good. I think Creed Humphrey was great. He didn't give up no pressures at all. Uh, Tooney was good as well. And then Trey Smith, I mean, on that Mahomes run, if you watch the whole play, like he pancaked the guy Pancake. near the end zone. Like that was really, really nice. And um, just making plays defensively in the second half. I mean, they made adjustments, started playing more man, and they started seeing more success. And then, you know, you had Juan Thornhill. I think that was a big uh, positive. I mean, during training camp, a lot of speculation about him running with the third team and – playing all these extra snaps in the preseason. People were like, what is going on with Juan Thornhill? He forced that fumble. So I think that was a big confidence booster, especially without Tyron Matthew for him moving forward. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they do now when they get their full defense back, minus Willie Gay tomorrow. If you're the Browns,
1: and you're going into this next week, and obviously I feel that the Browns are going to be a team that's going to win double-digit games this year. Um, a lot of people are picking them to win their division. A lot of people are picking them to make it to the AFC Championship. And a lot of people are picking them to get to the Super Bowl, even win the Super Bowl. But going into a preparation from a week this frustrating against a team like the Chiefs that you know you got to get over in order to get over the hump that the Browns haven't been over in a, in a millennia, it seems... How do you get over that? I mean, if you're the Browns, how do you handle a loss in a game that you probably should have won in 99 out of 100 different scenarios?
4: Uh, you just got to move forward. I mean, you got to go with the mindset that you don't play the Chiefs every week. And if you see them again, you won't see them again until late January. So you just have to keep building. Uh, they play the Texans this week, so they should win that game easily. And you look at their schedule. I mean, it's very, very favorable. Uh, minus the games in their division and a couple outside. But I think they will win about 12, 13 games this year. Like you said, they're a really good football team. They have the best rushing attack. I mean, as far as formula, I mean, they have maybe the best formula to beat the Chiefs, Uh, run the ball, you know, ball control, keep Mahomes off the field. But the big question with them will be their defense. They have eight new starters defensively. And I knew week one, that's just not a good recipe against Mahomes in that Chiefs offense week one. But I do think by midseason, you start to see that defense start to gel because they do got some very talented guys there, as long as they can stay healthy. I mean, I think they're going to be right there at the end in the AFC Championship game. We know that this offensive line is going
1: to – provide a lot of protection for Patrick Mahomes. I believe that one of the players that's going to benefit the most off of it is a player like McCole Hardman being able to get into that second dimension, third dimension of the defense and get those long shots from Patrick Mahomes, who's going to have time in the pocket. But we also are anticipating Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who had a good season last season in his rookie year to take that next step. In this first game against the Browns, he had a few good plays, but he wasn't what I think a lot of people were expecting out of the shoot. Are you expecting Clyde to be a player that's going to elevate his own game and elevate this offense with his production, or do you think that Clyde is going to continue to prove to a lot of people that you shouldn't take running backs in the first round?
4: Well, I do think he's going to have a good season, but at the same time, I still would take a running back in the first round unless you're generational. Like, I'm not taking a running back unless you're top five, top ten talent. I'm just not. So that's no disrespect to him at all. It just is what it is. But I do think he will have a good season. I think we will see him evolve more in the passing game. I think that's the big part for him moving forward. And if you look at that game, uh, I know his rushing yards weren't that good, but there were plenty of times where he just chose the wrong hole. I mean, if you look at the film, I mean, he was running right into traffic when he could have bounced it out left or bounced it out right. So those are little things that do kind of concern me because, you know, it's year two now. We saw what he did at LSU. Those are things that I just wouldn't expect out of him at this point. But, you know, it's only week one. I'm sure they saw the film they went over it as well. So I do think he will get better moving forward. But I'm just looking forward to seeing him really more so in the passing game.
1: Tyreek Hill had, I think, maybe – one of the best games that we've ever seen Tyreek Hill have against the Browns. And if you've looked over the last 16 games, Tyreek Hill has put up better numbers on fewer receptions than DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams have in their last 17 games. In fact, Tyreek Hill has 10 more touchdowns in his last 16 games than DeAndre Hopkins has in his last uh 17. We know that Tyreek Hill is an elite talent, but do you believe, and you're in the L.A. area, do you believe that Tyreek Hill is getting the respect as an elite wide receiver that
4: we believe he should be? I think he's starting to. Uh, I think he hasn't been over the past few years just because I think people get blinded by his speed, and they just look at him as, you know, he's a speed guy. He's a gadget guy. He's so fast, you know, but they're not looking at his route running. They're not looking at his hands or. His ability to adjust to the football. But I do think we're starting to slowly get to that point now where people are like, you know what? He's just more than just the speed guy. Like this guy is an elite receiver. He's top three in the world. Like no doubt about it. I mean, you mentioned the other two guys, it's him, Adams, and Hopkins. Those are the top three. I think that's tier one. And then after that, you can argue the rest, but he's definitely top three in my mind. I do think he's starting to get the respect that he deserves as a receiver and he will move it forward looking into this ravens matchup we know how this usually goes we
1: see that the ravens at full strength come into arrowhead three years ago i was at that game eddie and i were both there and we saw a team that punched the, punched the Chiefs and punched the Chiefs and punched the Chiefs, and the Chiefs still prevailed. Patrick Mahomes on a fourth and nine, throwing a play that was damn near similar to what he did to the Browns just this last week with a, uh, you know, r- running to the right, 50-yard throw, Tyreek takes it to the house, or at least almost takes it to the house. F it,
4: Tyreek's down there somewhere.
1: Yeah, t- <laughs> just throw it down. Fuck it, Ty. he's down there. The, 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 the point is, is the Ravens at full strength couldn't take down Patrick Mahomes, who was early in his career as well. Now that he has become a veteran of sorts, with I believe the best roster he's had to this point in his Chiefs tenure. Looking at this matchup with the Ravens having a IR staff that could probably make an all-pro team. I mean, that that team is stacked in their IR list. <laughs> How do you think this Ravens team is going to make this one competitive? Because I think we in Kansas City, you being out there, they cover the Chiefs with Arrowhead pride and just being a fan in yourself – I think we're a lot of us, I think a lot of us are anticipating this to be a game where the Chiefs take control early and often, and it almost seems to be an easy win, but I'm not one of those people that want to just dismiss the Ravens because they're coached well. Lamar Jackson is a freak athletically that can turn the tide of a game in a heartbeat. Which way do you see this going, man? Because it's, it's a conflicting one for me.
4: Yeah, I don't know why you're conflicted. I mean, this is going to be a blowout. This is gonna, this is be a blowout. Uh, I think um, – I mean, look at their offensive line. Look, look, They made the Raiders look like the Giants in 07. <laughs> I mean – Yeah. And, and now you're without Ronnie Stanley, your best offensive lineman. You're moving Villanueva to the left tackle, and they're starting a the first-time right tackle, I believe. I mean, and you got Frank Clark back, Chris Jones. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a massacre. I, I don't think it's going to be close. Um, and look at their defense no Marcus Peters, and they love the blitz. We know that. So <laughs> it's like the worst thing you could do against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and if they don't blitz, we heard on the Monday night broadcast, Peyton Manny said, this team does not play zone good. <laughs> <laughs> so if either, I just think they're screwed either way. I, I just really don't see how they can keep this game close. I think the Chiefs score a minimum of 35 points. Ooh, so if I'm going into a game with like that it. ball, Let's go. the Ravens like aren't it. scoring 30 points. I mean, I, I, I just don't see how I can be close unless the Chiefs turn the ball over three or four times. Oh, don't don't get me
1: wrong, Mark. I, I don't expect the Ravens to beat the Chiefs in this game. Not that. Okay. I'm, I'm saying how
0: bad the Chiefs beat. I'm conflicted.
1: I'm conflicted by the scoring total. <laughs>
0: don't
4: be so that's... don't
1: be so humble, Lance.
4: You're you're you're, think, you're overthinking it, man.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. You're, that's why we have you on here to to reel me back, to walk me off the cliff. I appreciate that, Mark. But I want to put you in Brett Veach's seat. You're the general manager of the Chiefs. And so I have to, I have some questions for you, Mr. Veach or Mr. Mark Gunnels. Oh, man, I'm, I got a lot of money. <laughs> Congrats on the on the financial security here. Um, what in the world is going on with the Tyron Matthew extension? I mean, it, is this not common sense at this point? You saw what how different this defense is with or without him over the last couple of seasons. Then in that Browns game, you play back 2018. And I'm not the only one, by the way. I saw... Tons of people on Twitter saying, oh, this is the 2018 defense all over again. I know there are other pieces missing, but Tyron is the general of that defense. He is spags on the defense. He's the he's the coach on the field. I don't care if he's 29 years old. Harrison Smith just got $64 million over a four-year contract at 32 years old. He's not Tyron Matthew, my man. Yeah. So what the hell is going on here, Mr. Veach, with all your money? Why don't you go ahead and spend some time and some money by giving me an honest reaction here?
4: Well, you know, obviously um, the prices went up now since uh, <laughs> we looked really bad yes. without him uh, last Sunday. So definitely could have wished uh, we could have got that deal done before the year now considering he missed week one and we looked, we saw how bad we looked without him. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, just to be very bu- unbuttoned right here, I'm going to give you a very uh, not a cliche answer that I normally would give. Thank you. It's the Orlando Brown situation because, you know, I got to consider who I'm going to get the tag to after the year. And Mm. I want to see how Brown looks this year, because if he doesn't look as good as I think he will be, then I'm probably going to tag him. And then hopefully we'll get a deal done with Matthew after the year. But if Brown looks really good, he's young, he's a left tackle, he's protecting my most prized possession. Mm. I probably have to give him a deal after the year and maybe tag Matthew. Mm. I know that's not ideal. Matthew probably will not be too happy about that. But at the same time, Orlando Brown is protecting the best player in football. And if he looks really, really good this year, I may consider tagging Tyron Matthew.
1: Now let's transition from you being Brett Veach to Steve Spagnola, or as our guy Chris Jones likes to call him, Spagnolia. Um, (laughs) How often are you going to play Chris Jones at defensive end, or rather edge rush, As Opposed to his natural position, which is defensive tackle because we saw him go against an elite offensive line and get two sacks in crucial moments in That game. I can't imagine that trend's gonna stop going against a banged-up offensive line in the Ravens that we just saw and Villanueva switching back over with his cement cinder block legs How often are you gonna play him this season at defensive end because I think he's proving a point that he can play at an elite level at that position?
4: Yeah, I think it's just a matchup thing. It's it's a week-by-week basis. It depends on the opponent and who we're going against at the tackle spot or who's in the inside. So especially this week, you're going against Villanueva, a a left tackle, and then a new right tackle. I expect him to play the end positions probably 90% of the time this week. (laughs) Those are the weak links, but it's a week-by-week thing. Okay. Now – I got a couple more questions for you. And this is kind of a
1: layup, but I I need to get your take on this because you and I, when we've been on Darren Smith's show, we didn't really get to talk about this. But I'm of the true belief, and I know because you and I almost agree all the time when it comes to Chiefs-related issues, I think the only team that can beat the Chiefs is the Chiefs. And I know that sounds like a cop-out, but I think they proved it in that Browns game when the Browns gave them everything they had, everything they could give them, and they still came up with the victory. I think the only way the Chiefs lose a game, especially in the playoffs, is if they beat themselves. They have horrible turnovers. They, they, they don't execute the way we know them that they can. If there's a team, though, out there in the AFC, please pitch it to me, Mark, because I can't find them. I think the Browns, from a matchup perspective, give them about as much of a fight as any team out there because the Chiefs, to this point in the Mahomes era, have outclassed Josh Allen every time they faced. They've outclassed Lamar Jackson every time they faced. The Titans did beat them in 2019, but that game was a complete farce. We know that the Chiefs beat themselves, and that actually kind of helps my point. Who is that team in the AFC that I that you believe is going to give the Chiefs a true fight to represent the AFC in the playoffs this year?
4: I'm going to push back on that a little bit. I'm not, I'm not going to say this team will beat them in the playoffs because they're inexperienced. They haven't really been there before. But what about the Chargers? Uh, I think the Chargers present the biggest challenge as far as matchup-wise. I mean, we saw last year, I know it was just week one, but Justin Herbert didn't know he was going to start until 10 minutes before the game. And if not for that interception, that rookie mistake, they probably win that game. And we play them next week, so we'll see how that goes. But I'm really high on Justin Herbert. That defense seems to give Mahomes the most trouble. It's a division matchup, so they know each other very, very well. I think the Chargers are a really tough matchup for the Chiefs. I really do. And I think, um, like I said, they know each other very well. You got Herbert, who I think is a top-five talent in the league. Derwin James is back now. We'll see how long he can stay healthy this year. Still got Bosa. I think the Chargers are a really, really tough matchup for the Chiefs.
1: You're not wrong, just for the record. Um, I guess my pushback to the pushback, as we explained a few minutes before you joined us today, uh, because we actually had a good friend of the show, Shaggy Shane, say the exact same thing. He actually has the Chiefs and the Chargers in the AFC Championship. My pushback isn't Justin Herbert, because I believe he's the truth. I think he's already a top-ten quarterback in the league. It's the Chargers surrounding Justin Herbert. It's the availability of just of Joey Bosa and, and Derwin james can they stay healthy for the duration of a season especially with an extra game attached to the season is brandon staley a legitimate head coach these are things i think are fair questions to this point talent wise matchup wise you're not wrong the chargers always seem to play the chiefs pretty damn well but i just have to see the chargers give me something in meaningful games because if you look back to last season as well as justin herbert played the only playoff team the Chargers beat last season was the Chiefs in Week 17 when they rested the starters. So I need to see the Chargers beat good quarterbacks, great quarterbacks, good teams, great teams on a consistent basis while staying healthy, while Brandon Staley proving his worth, giving Justin Herbert what he needs before I can cloak that team with the best matchup for the Chiefs in the playoffs, if that makes sense.
4: Yeah, that's going to be a high-level matchup next week. I do think both teams will be 2-0. I think the Chargers will beat the Cowboys tomorrow, and obviously I think the Chiefs will win. So Arrowhead will be rocking next week. I'm really looking forward to that game. All right, one final question for you. And
1: again, man, thank you so much for being here with us. I know it's early yeah. out there. I love when you uh, on Twitter. You always update the the time in LA. I know it's early still, you may have never even got your coffee and breakfast yet. But hopefully, this woke you up a little I bit, jolted you, man. Yeah, <laughs> you mean totally transparent. I love that, bro. The transparency,
0: cheesy teeth and all.
1: I got one question for you. And we like to end the end the segments with our guests with something that's a little off the wall. But this isn't too off the wall with you and I because we, we, again, see a lot of things on the same page. Are the Lakers going to win the NBA Finals this year?
4: Oh, man, you put me on the spot there. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Oh, man, As of right now, I'm actually going with the Nets, man. I'm going with the Nets. Uh, but subject to change still early hadn't even seen preseason yet but you know i have to be fair i've been a big russell westbrook critic over the years so now since he we went lebron i just can't flip, flip the script and be like oh i love Russell the now <laughs> oh no, like i have to see how it works first you know but i will say this if if anybody can have it work it's lebron james but i do have the lakers come out the west i do have lakers nets their popular finals matchup no surprise there but I just do think if the Nets are healthy, they're they're they just fit better, man. They can all shoot. Kyrie Harden hard, hard the point guard now. Kyrie's like the two guard, just score the basketball. And KD can fit with anybody. So I just think right now, as of right now, they just seamlessly fit better. But I have to see how Lakers work, man. It's a lot of new parts. It's just a lot of just a lot of newness, man. I just got to see how it works. To that point, real quick, before we let you
1: go, it's interesting you say that there's another KD-LeBron matchup in the finals, which I would believe would be number four, if I'm not mistaken. They've, they met twice when KD was with the Warriors, once when he was with the OKC. Everybody talks about, you know, LeBron's never had a true rival. If that happens, you have to say that that would be the rival to LeBron James, yes?
4: Yeah, I mean, well, people were saying lebron and steph too as well i mean it's kind of depends but katie went there kind of made things kind of weird (laughs) because katie was the better player but it's still Mm -hmm. steph's team so kind of put a weird quirk in that a little bit but it was a lebron steph narrative as well too before that that is the
1: host of mark my words sports podcast the arrowhead Can. Airhead Pride contributor. And he also does a lot of stuff with FS1. He is all over the place, guys. He is one of the best follows on Twitter, even without his brushed teeth. But he's gonna <laughs> do that after the show, I'm sure. And it's he's so gonna get to doing what he does great, man, which is, is provide great sports take and great sports content. We are so glad, so happy, and quite frankly, honored to have you on the show, man. And we hope that we can get you back on in the near future. And when you're back in KC, you better hit me up, man, because barbecue's yeah. on us. Hey, man, you
4: guys got to come out here for L.A. to the
1: Chargers-Chiefs game. Well, I'm going to board the ticket now. I'm going to buy it right now. uh, you have Thursday, any, uh Thursday night, any,
4: man.
1: You have any miles to, to hand over to me, man? Because these prices look a little hefty. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we can figure something out, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Mark A. Gunnels. He is the man, guys. Go follow him. Thank you so much, Mark. All right, man. You guys have a good one. You too, brother. Yes. Thank you. All right, that was a blast. We appreciate Mark, man, for everything he does. He's been a big supporter of what we do here at The Spoken. Uh, I actually met him through Darren Smith. I already knew his work. Got to know him through Darren Smith's show on Sundays back in the summertime on the ship. I uh, loved his takes. Love his takes on Twitter. And he is definitely a guy you guys want to follow. Like I said, he's one of us. He's a KC native. He has great sports commentary, great sports takes. I love his podcast. Love what he does for Airway and Pride. He's been writing a few pieces that I've absolutely loved and admired. Him and Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner, all those guys have been killing it over at AP. Really like the, the the second wave of Avengers, if you know what I mean, man. They they lost Kent and the guys, and they brought back Mark Gunnels and Ron Kopp. You want to talk about reloading the magazine, that's, that's absolutely doing it. But, uh... I want to transition actually to our Ravens and Chiefs uh, takes with this preview coming up because as I said to to Mark in in that segment, the only thing I'm conflicted about is how much the Chiefs really put out there because I don't want to sit here and say the Chiefs are going to underestimate the Ravens. I, I don't believe they're going to underestimate the Ravens at all. I think that the Chiefs take the Ravens very seriously no matter how many players are injured, no matter who's available or who's not available. I think that they take the Ravens seriously. My point though is I think at this at this stage in this matchup the Chiefs know that like the Browns game they could allow the Ravens, to do what they want to do for a first couple quarters. and a flip of the switch, they're just going to take over the game because from a matchup perspective, the Ravens have no counter to what the Chiefs do great, which is throw the ball deep, which is throw the ball any, anywhere on the field. Patrick Mahomes, there's nothing they can do. When Patrick Mahomes has been blitzed by the Ravens in his career, he has a 129 quarterback rating with one sack. Yeah. They've sacked Patrick Mahomes one time on blitzes. And he has a 129 quarterback rating against the Ravens when they blitz him. And that is the strength, the only strength their defense really has, especially with Marcus Peters being out with a torn ACL, with Marlon Humphrey already been banged up, and with a bunch of guys in his in his defensive back core that he doesn't have a lot of gaming experience with. I feel at this point, point with and, and, and let's give let's give the Ravens front seven some credit. Mm-hmm. They do have some really talented players. They just acquired Justin Houston. They got Brandon Williams, and they have Playous Calais Campbell. Campbell, who is old, but he's still a good player.
0: Still beast, yeah.
1: But none of those guys, to me, are guys that I think can go and pressure Patrick Mahomes if they just send four. They're going to have to blitz Patrick Mahomes. They can't play cover three defense. They can't play cover two defense. They can't play this conservative shell-style defense. They're going to have to go after Patrick Mahomes. Am I saying they're going to have to do zero blitz? No, I, I don't believe they're going to do that where everyone's at the line constantly. But Wig Martindale, their defensive coordinator, said it numerous times this week that he has to be able to stop Tyreek Hill and Patrick or, and, and Travis Kelsey. Well, the only way they're going to do that is if they're making Patrick Mahomes run for his life. Mm-hmm. That's what happened in the Buccaneers game in the, in the Super Bowl. That's the only way you're going to beat this Chiefs team straight up is if you're getting adequate and constant pressure making Patrick Mahomes have to run for his life. With this, with this offensive line as constructed with the Chiefs, and I think getting that type of galvanized experience from the Browns game, I think that's going to make this, this uh, Chiefs offensive line that much stronger in this matchup to where the Ravens are not going to be able to do what they need to do and the only thing they really can do, which is to get at the quarterback. Literally last season, the Ravens we're the highest uh, blitzing percentage defense in the league. Over forty-five percent of the time,
3: mm.
1: literally almost one out of every two plays, they're blitzing the quarterback. Yeah. Well, with the deficiency of the defense, you can't change your mentality. You can't change your scheme, as much as you might want to. In an ideal, idealistic world and scenario, you could say, "All right, you know what? We're changing up everything." You brought these players in for one particular reason, to play your style of defense. So looking at it from a defensive standpoint, the Ravens can't change things. Now, on the offensive side, I think it's even more so they can't change things because Lamar Jackson, as I debated with my guy Darren Smith on Twitter during the Ravens-Raiders game, has has regressed. I'm not saying he sucks. Lamar Jackson doesn't suck. Mm. At his best, he's a top-10 quarterback in this league. But he has regressed in the fact that he is not playing not only at an MVP level anymore... But he can't throw the ball any better than he did three years ago when he started. So what am I supposed to believe from this Ravens offense that's going to give me any confidence they can make this a real game? That's why I said I was conflicted because I don't want to be the guy like we did last year when we talked about that Raiders game. We had Raider Cody on, and I underestimated Trevor. We all underestimated the shit out of the the Raiders, and they come in here and put 40 on the Chiefs. Right Now, I know it it wasn't a packed house, and I know there was a lot of things going on. It doesn't matter. I know this is a different team. The point is, the Chiefs should have won that game against the Raiders. And they gave up 40 points. This Ravens team cannot be underestimated. I don't care if they're injury prone. I don't care if they're the Chargers with different colors this year. I don't care. You don't underestimate this team because Lamar Jackson is the best athlete in the NFL. And he is going to do what he wants to do on the ground. I I would not be shocked if Lamar Jackson rushes for 100 yards in this game. The deciding factor in it all is, is it enough? Because as Mark Gunnell said, they're not going to hang 30 on the Chiefs probably in this game unless the Chiefs have a Raiders Week 5-esque type of performance. The only way you can avoid that, though, is dictating the pace. And it's ironic because the Ravens are the type of team that usually dictates the pace of how the game goes. Same with the Browns. They bully the Chiefs early on, but the Chiefs ended up making the plays that ended up taking away and negating that. In this matchup, I would like to see the Chiefs run the ball a little bit more, creating some more balance to the offense because you saw in the third and fourth quarter against the Browns, when the Chiefs started to utilize those 12, 13, 14 play drives, the Browns defense couldn't counter it. They couldn't stop it. And with this inept roster currently with the Ravens getting their defense out there and making them play 76 to 80 plays making them stay on the field and forcing Lamar to play desperate football and have to throw the ball downfield which creates opportunities for turnovers which by the way has his lowest completion percentage against the Chiefs than any other team 55 percent 63 against any other team you make him throw the ball like the Chiefs have made him throw the ball in the past. This is going to be a runaway victory for the Chiefs, Trevor. What's your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean that's why after that Raiders game, I, I posted on Facebook saying like, you know, regarding the concerns for Lamar Jackson. You know, if I'm a Ravens fan, I'm not sold that he is the guy of the future. Just because, and like I said, I'll quote Stephen A. Smith: If you're not if you're not elite at passing at throwing the football, you're not an elite quarterback. And I agree with that 100%. Lamar's got to get better at throwing the football if he wants to have a good career, a long career, and and, and remain the guy in, in Baltimore. His athleticism with his legs and mobility can only go so far. We've never seen major success in this league from quarterbacks that depend on their legs more than their arm. It just does not work. It's not a winning winning formula long term. He can have that incredible season that he had this MVP year, and the numbers were just completely outrageous. And no one's taking that away from him. But as the league goes on, at least the league gets more film on you, more film on you, you start to get caught up on instead of you catching up on the league and staying ahead of it. it when we saw it, man, we saw the struggles against the Raiders, and that is not a good defense. And that defense was getting banged up. And Gawkway went out in the third quarter. Like there was a, you know, a, Max Crosby was just absolutely wreaking havoc on Lamar Jackson. Max Crosby. That's not even a Pro Bowl player. Granted, I like Max Crosby, Sacramento Kings fan i like him a lot he's a good player he gets all he's all over the place but wait till he starts playing elite type players like chris jones you know like it's gonna be i just there's two different ways i can see this game going i can see the chiefs going out there and just matriculating the ball down the field and and just owning the clock beating the ravens at their own game um and just pat you know just having it uh, you know just to a very efficient game, taking what the defense gives them, getting rid of the ball quickly and avoiding the the, the blitz pressure if there is going to be blitz pressure. they can even get to him, you know, Dinkin and Duncan maybe making a play downfield every once in a while, hitting Travis Kelsey up the seam and over the middle, uh, getting McColl involved on some trickery, you know, in round plays, you know, getting five to six yards per play or whatever. Um, or I can just see it's absolutely boat racing them, getting out there and making big play after big play early on and forcing Lamar to you know to chase i think that's the best way to beat lamar is to, to get a good lead and force him to throw the ball granted the raiders didn't even have to do that and he was still you know trying to make plays with his arm and he just couldn't get it um i think sometimes in football it's, it, matchups are simple when you look at them and i think everything has gone wrong for the ravens so far this year you know, especially with the injuries and Lamar just not looking up to par right now. I think Lamar is going to finish strong this year. I think he's going to have a good year, statistically. But right now, it is a, it is a this is the worst time to face the Chiefs. It just is what it is, man. And I think I think the Chiefs are going to – I'm not going to go as far as Mark Gunnels to say that we're going to at least get 35 points. That's a bold – not bold, but I don't know if the Chiefs are really going in with that mentality. I think the Chiefs know they can go in there and win this depleted team. What I happen to go bonkers. Well having to you know throw the ball all over the field. I think we can go in there and beat this team, get out healthy. It's still week two. We got a long season ahead. I think the chiefs want to go in there and get this, you know, get Tyron back out there, get his reps in, get everybody, you know, but, but lead this game healthy. You know But we'd also know this is a very important game. So I am expecting a very good game from Pat. I'm expecting a very good game from Clyde. I think Clyde's going to – Mark you know kind of stole my thunder there. This is what I've been wanting to get out of Clyde is his passing production, his receiving production. I think Clyde's going to get a lot of passes this week. I was kind of wanting to see what we did with him against the the, the Browns. But, I mean, Travis and Tyreek were just untouchable, unguardable last week. So, like, like McColl said, if you know, he's not going to bitch about it. If those two guys are going off, it is what it is. You let them do their thing. But I think I think this is a Clyde week. Uh, I think that the Chiefs focus more on getting him involved and getting him his gears going in the passing game. Um, I, yeah, I, I just think this is what it is, man. I think sometimes it's, it's a simple call, and I think the Chiefs win this game. I don't want to say easily with all the respect to the coaching and Lamar Jackson being who he is and that defense being who they are, whether they have the bodies or not, the scheme has always been great. Their ability to get to quarterbacks has always been great. But the best quarterback against the Blitz in the league is Patrick Mahomes. And he's, he's slaughtered this team and put this team away when they're at full strength. But I have respect for Baltimore. that that Being that stadium and those fans and just being as hard as it is to play there and win there, that is a tough place to go win on yeah. the road. So I give them credit. Uh, I always give them respect. And then Coach Harbaugh, Harbaugh always has my respect. You never know. The guy is a genius. One of the best coaches in this league. From the Andy Reid tree. Uh, so... I think it'll be a, I think we'll win by double digits, but I'm not going to say that we're going to go out there and just blow the floodgates open. I don't think we need to do that. I think we just need to go out there and flat out win this football game, get out healthy.
2: Man, there's not much to add to it, all, all what you guys said. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that what's affecting the Ravens really uh, a lot is all those injuries, dealing with all those injuries. I think they're uh, – Pro Bowl left tackle might Ronnie be, out, Stanley. Might be yeah. out this Sunday. As he's hair. not playing.
1: The beat reporter's already said that.
2: Yeah, so that that's a massive loss for already depleted offense. It, it, it's just a big, big hit. And then coming off of that, that Raiders game where they, they had the potential to win it, and, <sighs> so uh, and Lamar Jackson <laughs> just decided to fumble that ball away. Uh, Three times. That should tell everybody that he's neither a quarterback nor a running back. Yeah. <laughs> so he's in between both, I guess. Uh, uh, Lamar Jackson has to have probably his best game of his career if he really wants to beat the Chiefs this this Sunday. I just don't see another way around it. I, I, he doesn't have the weapons. He doesn't have the arm. He doesn't. He doesn't have the running backs. It, it's just it's him. The offense has to evolve around him and him having to make those plays. The Chiefs are gonna be hungry. The Chiefs are gonna want to prove a point. They're gonna be aggressive. They're gonna want. They want to show the people that's like, hey, we're we're we lost last Super Bowl, but we're going back for it. And I think this will be a team to to make that statement and kind of be like, okay, we beat the Browns, we beat the the Ravens, uh, two of your Super Bowl contenders. Uh, who's next? That's pretty much gonna be the Chiefs mentality. So. I, it's gonna be a great matchup. I do. I do believe it's gonna be a double digit victory for the Chiefs. I just don't see this team. I, I just don't see the Ravens beating the Chiefs. I. I mean, I can imagine it. I can dream it. But I just, in reality, I don't. I don't see it. They don't have. They don't have the team for it. They don't have the depth for it. They're relying on uh, Latavius Murray and uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell as their running backs, and they just signed uh, Devontae Freeman, I believe, who might play this. Uh, uh, at, yeah. At the at, at at this time, I think the Ravens should look at probably next season. Well, <laughs> with, the, early. with all with all these injuries, I just like, don't see them coming back from it. I, I it's, it's it's gonna be really t- it's gonna be a super tough season for the Ravens. Yeah. They're just gonna have to push through, but. I, Once they get healthy,
1: see, this is what we got to remember. Most of their injuries, I mean, I know that J.K. Dobbins and Marcus Peters tore their ACLs. The majority of their injuries are guys that are going to come back at some point this season. Mm -hmm. So they just hold the fort down and just stick around 500 football. I do think they can go on a run, especially down the stretch where their schedule starts to lighten up a little bit. Because like the Chiefs, they have a very tough schedule up front, which really sucks. And the timing is just terrible, not to mention the fact that... They have the polar opposite of luck the Chiefs have right now, and I'm going to continue to do this on this table right, right here, because the Ravens have the worst luck at injuries right now. The Chiefs have had the best luck so far. They have zero injuries right saying, now. I'm saying, get out help so, Don't let any of that yes. shit rub off on us, please. So, <laughs> guys, you guys remember that since 2019, Week 10 against the, the Titans, since Week 11 of that season, the yep. Chiefs have lost two meaningful games. The Raiders game in week five last season and the Super Bowl. The week the Chargers game, we don't count because the Chiefs weren't even trying to win that game. They didn't start their play, they didn't play any starters. So the rest of the leagues get pissed off. Because how many times have we seen games like what the Browns just had against the Chiefs, where these teams should have won and the Chiefs pull it out? The league is getting pissed off. They're tired of the Chiefs. So what are you gonna get? You're gonna get a pissed off team that has all the desire in the world to beat your ass. So you're gonna get the A game the Chiefs just got the A-game from the Browns. That was as good as the Browns are going to play this season. Yeah. Straight up. Okay? Especially with the raucous crowd against a team that good. The Ravens, in my opinion, although they're not right now as talented as the Browns are currently constructed, they're going to bring their A-game. John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson are tired of losing to the Chiefs. They got embarrassed last season, chrome crowd or not. They got... Was that Raiders not lost not embarrassing to us? Regardless if there's only 16,000 people out there, it was embarrassing to us. Because they shouldn't have lost that game. The Chiefs came in there and whooped that ass last year. One by two touchdowns. Should have won by four touchdowns. They were killing them in that game. That was never close. That Ravens team was better last year than it is this year. So yes. you know the Ravens are going to come into this game saying we're going to give it everything we have. I actually think there's a really good chance this is a shootout. I think because I think about it like this. The, the Chiefs are coming into this season also without Tyron Matthew for the first game of the season. Now he's being implemented, coming off of a COVID situation. He had COVID. He's got to work his self back into this game, get himself healthy and adequate back into the defense. There are new pieces the Chiefs are relying on in this defense. Their rush defense has not been great so far to this point. Now they face the Browns, but now they're going to the Ravens, a team that can run the ball with ease with Lamar Jackson alone. I think the Chiefs are going to struggle defensively again to start the game off. And I think that the Ravens are going to score a few touchdowns in this game, guys. I really do think they're going to score three or four touchdowns in this game. But, again, as we talked about, their defense has no true counter to the Chiefs' offensive attack. They're not going to be able to stop Patrick Mahomes one bit. I wouldn't be shocked if the Chiefs don't punt in this game. Unless there's a drop pass on a third down or a bad penalty that costs them a bunch of yards and they just can't get that first down. Unless something like that happens, I don't think the Chiefs punt in this game. I would be shocked. I'm with Mark. I'm actually going to up Mark. I think there's a better chance this Chiefs score over 35 points than less than 35 points in this game. So it's not going to really matter. And I say it's a shootout because I think on paper it's going to look like that. I think on paper you're going to say, man, the Ravens actually didn't play bad offensively but a lot of it's going to be have to do with them just trying to keep up because they're not going to be able to maintain the pace with the Chiefs. That's the difference in this game. I think it's going to be a little bit different than how the Browns game went, but you're going to see that Ravens give everything they got because that's all they have left to do. They can't rest on their laurels. They can't say, well, let's go in there and see what happens. If it doesn't work, we'll go back next week because we're, we're, we're still that great. They don't have... They don't have that ability right now they have to rely on what they know and it's Lamar Jackson taking over a game doing everything he can in his power to beat the scene because they're not only pissed off about this the the matchup they have against the Chiefs over the last three years they just lost a game Trevor talked about just a minute ago they shouldn't have lost they should not have lost that game to the Raiders they had multiple opportunities Derek Carr threw a pick in the end zone in overtime and they still lost the game <laughs> Lamar Jackson had a horrific fumble. You've heard John Harbaugh talk about it. I'm done talking about injuries for the rest of the season. I believe him. Lamar Jackson, when the reporter asked him about you know you versus Patrick Mahomes, he stopped the dude. You could tell how pissed he was. He said, this ain't about me and Patrick Mahomes. It's Chiefs versus Ravens. You know they're sick of it. The Chiefs are going to get a Ravens team that is motivated. They're not good enough to beat the Chiefs, but they're going
0: to go out there and play an
1: A game. I truly believe the Ravens are going to look pretty good in this game
0: offensively. I I think it's impossible for them to play an A game because they don't have their A students. Point blank period. I don't think the Chiefs could play A defense last week when we didn't because we didn't have our A students out there. We you would have not... thought it'd
1: been impossible for the Ravens to drop forty on the Chiefs though. The Raiders, I said the Raiders. They dropped forty uh, well, on that,
0: we would have thought that was but, impossible. But they were they were at full strength, full health. I think it's impossible to bring your entire A game when you're missing as many pieces as they're missing, dude. Especially on defense. And Hollywood Brown might not play uh, he's banged up right now. They're, they're, they're depending on Sammy Watkins as their wide receiver one, and, and then Mark Andrews as their other receiving option. And now they're down to. Picking, to his credit, is a legitimate
1: tight end. He and is a they have tight. a rookie
0: running back with Latavius Murray, who's thirty-one years old. I just don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't see, I don't see. Sometimes it is what it is in football, man. And, and we've beat them at their best when Lamar was having his MVP year. We beat them, mm-hmm. and yep. he's not. And I, I get it; they're coming off an embarrassing loss. I just don't think. When you're putting them on the scale, that I, I just think we outweigh them so much, especially getting all of our guys back now uh, outside of uh, Willie Gay. I think I just don't think they have a chance in this game. I think this is really bad timing. If this was later in the year and they're back to full strength and maybe we're kind of like on the ropes a little bit or something, maybe there's a chance. Even there's, if they brought their A game, there's I, also don't, juice, I don't even know what that would look like. There's right also
1: now. juice So the Ravens are going to finally have against Patrick Mahomes is having a full-packed house. Against
0: Patrick they didn't but have that did, last
1: year. I'm just saying, like there are factors to this. I'm not yeah. making a case that the Ravens are going to but win the, this game. But They're the, not going to win this but game. But The
0: year we went in there and beat them, they didn't have a home. They, they didn't have not, a packed crowd. They, we they beat, we played them three times. Yeah, but the first I'm, time was a raucous crowd in Arrowhead, empty house in Baltimore. I'm giving them a respect because of, because of the home crowd. I, that's why I made sure to mention that going to Baltimore is very difficult. That's a rough, rough environment to go into. <laughs> I just think there's so much. Working against the Ravens and there is working for them. You can go in there as motivated all you want, but the talent is so overwhelming on our side, offensively. I, I just don't see them what they do. Marlon Humphrey is about all they got in that secondary right now, and they got a young, aspiring linebacker who I think could be an elite player in this league, and Patrick Queen, who's all over the place. But can that can that stop can that stop Tyree Kill? Can that stop Travis? I don't think so, man. I think they went against a much different, stiffer competition as far as talent wise in that in that. Browns matchup than they are going into this matchup. I get it. The scheme is great. They're going to try to get Mahomes. They're going to try to rattle them. But with this new O-line and these guys, I just think it's a bad matchup. I think we win by double digits. I don't think we need to go out there and score 40. I don't. I don't think we need to do that.
1: Right, I don't think, and I don't think they want to either. I don't think that's their desire to go into Baltimore like that. But I think that the, it's going to have to be necessary in my okay, eyes. Just from this, from the, the matchup. You're right. Everything we're breaking down is correct. The matchup doesn't bode well for the Ravens. My point, though, is is this is a team that is trying to get to somewhere, dude. They're zero one starting the season. Yeah, that doesn't. But that doesn't. I'm saying that the that effort, effort as, is. I'm not saying they're. I'm not, fine, saying, I'm not saying they're at their full strength. They're clearly not. Yeah. But we have seen teams that have been hell bent by injuries go into a Matchup and give it everything they got. Okay, you don't think and Patrick, they played okay, decent the Super Bowl? You
0: don't think Patrick was giving it everything he had?
1: Right, and they still and, dropped
0: three touchdowns. Who? The Chiefs? They yeah, had three dropped touchdowns it, it, in that in game. Garbage time when the game was pretty much already no, away. Early Dude. in
1: the game, early in the game, Dude. Tyreek Hill dropped a touchdown. Right, right I, get,
0: I get that, but the, what I'm saying is we were Pat from the jump was putting in all the effort we can. We, we but he was also getting destroyed, and there was we obviously there was a major disadvantage there. That's now Patrick, and that was Patrick Mahomes who can throw the football and keep you in the game with his arm. Lamar Jackson doesn't have that. Okay, but the point is, but the Chiefs again, pin their ears back and just get after Lamar look, and make it a thing. And Sammy Watkins is the number one receiver. Right. Look at good look luck. at the way look at the way that the
1: Browns were able to run the ball against this defense. They won't have Willie Gay back. They will have Tyron back. But again, Tyron's coming back from something that's pretty significant too. So he's got to work his way back. And they're even talking about him being on a snap count this week. So again, the Chiefs are going to be a little weak against against the run again this week. Even though the Ravens have a banged up offensive line, Lamar Jackson is able to evade so many different pressures.
0: And except tackles. for Max Crosby he couldn't get away from Max Crosby Lance this is what I'm saying Chris Jones is going to have a field day with, with this this defense especially if Frank Clark plays it's it's, it's, it's it's it matchups make fights and this is a horrible matchup it was a this is a this is the worst matchup for the Ravens because one they can't beat us when they're healthy now they're completely more de- depleted roster wise than Lamar's ever had heading into this game which is the worst matchup for them already when healthy It's just I think there's so much stacked against them in this game. I'm not counting them out. I think Lamar can go out there and have good games. This is more about Patrick against this defense. Mm -hmm. I think Patrick is just going to have his way. I'm glad you brought that up because I have the numbers right here. Yeah. That not only is
1: Patrick Holmes and the Chiefs 3-0 against the Ravens, Patrick Holmes uh, completes 70% of his passes, averages 379 yards a game against the Ravens, with 10 total touchdowns, 9 throwing, 1 rushing, only 1 interception, which came back in 2018. Yeah. With a 116 quarterback rating, I'm going to say it right now, and I'm i going to play. I'm to guys. You don't have to give this. You don't have to give the score predictions yet because we do that every Sunday, as we yeah. always do on the spoken. I want to get your guys' predictions on this because last week I said that Patrick Mahomes was going to have over 400 yards and four touchdowns. Mm. I was technically not wrong because he had four total touchdowns with one rushing, three passing, uh, 300 was a 337 passing and like 25 30 rushing, so he almost got to the 400 yards. Guys, I think Patrick Mahomes has five touchdowns in this game.
3: Okay,
1: I think, look, I said before the season, and I'm going to stick with it, I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to have numbers very similar to 2018 this season. I have Patrick Mahomes, uh, before the season started, I, I the exact numbers were he was going to have a ho- career high in completion percentage at 69%. Nice. Uh, he had 75% to start the season, so he's on a good trajectory right now against that Browns defense, by God. I said he was going to have 4,927 total yards, or passing yards, which is just under a 1,000 yards, a little over under 1, 100 yards of what he had in 2018, mm-hmm. with 47 passing touchdowns and only 7 picks. And he was going to set the new single-season high quarterback rating at 124, as opposed to Aaron Rodgers in 2011 at 122.5. I think he's going to set that. These are the types of games I think are going to put Patrick Mahomes in that in that in that place. Is when you look back and say, "Remember early in the season when Patrick Mahomes started the first three weeks with 13 touchdowns and no picks, like he did in 2018?" That's the kind of season I think he's going to have. This Ravens defense, I feel so bad for. That's what I'm saying, and, and that's what I've been saying the whole time as, yeah. as well. I think the Chiefs are going to effortlessly, effortlessly score over 35 in this game, and Patrick Mahomes is going to have five touchdown passes. They want to make a statement. They want to make a statement in this game. And the offensive line is going to provide so much protection for Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be be interesting to see how it goes early in the game because I think Justin Houston, Brandon Williams, Calais Campbell are going to really give it to these rookie guys. They're going to make their jobs really difficult. But I think they're going to hang tough because if they can hang tough against Miles Garrett and that defensive front seven and the Browns, I think they're going to do the same thing in this one. I think McCole Hardman... Mm. And, and Clyde Edwards, Edwards-Hilaire are going to be the guys. I mean, we know Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are going to get theirs. We know that. Yeah, but I do think in this game, we're going to see McCole Hardman and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire contribute in the touchdown category. I think that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire gets a touchdown. I think McCole gets a big touchdown as well because his best numbers, his most yards, his most touchdowns, and his most receptions or most targets in his career are against the Ravens in his early career. I think you're going to see both those guys, young dudes, contribute. Patrick Mahomes is going to have over 340 passing, 350
0: passing yards and five touchdowns in this game. What do you think, Trevor? Five passing touchdowns or just five total? passing touchdowns? Wow, uh, I don't think Pat's going to need to do that. Um, and, and Andy Reid's never been a coach to just put his foot on somebody's throat. Very rarely, uh, we don't we don't run up scores. We just don't do that. We we, we once we get a comfortable lead, Andy Reid likes to just kind of get get out of the game. And this is what it is. But you know, my setup was that I don't think it's going to be a comfortable game early. I think See, there, I do. I think there's going to be some back and
1: forth early I on. I think the Raiders are going to score. I think early. we score
0: thirty. I think pass throws three or four. Um. And I don't think I, don't, I think we're comfortable the whole way. I do. I think we're comfortable the whole way. I don't. I just don't. As great as Lamar is, Lamar is gonna have to do amazing things with his legs. He's not gonna beat us with his arm. Sammy Watkins is gonna be his number one receiver more than likely, and we gotta worry about Mark Andrews, who's a good tight end. And we get beat by tight ends frequently. We got beat by Njoku. and, and you know, it, it, I just don't see it in, in the cards for Lamar to have a big game. He can have a good a good game statistically, maybe run a touchdown and throw one. And I would call that a good day for him. But I don't. I just don't... I, I think the Chiefs can go out there and have nice long drives and finish with touchdowns. I, th- I think we score 30. I think the Ravens score 21. I I think this defense... Because you're, you're forgetting that our defense is ready to get back out there too and make a make a point. Not just Lamar Jackson want to have a ba- bounce back game. This defense is motivated to go have a big game against Lamar yeah. and shut him down. And I think we... On the bounce of probabilities, I think I'm giving our defense the edge here. Because if Lamar is just going to go out there and try to run all over us, good luck, man. We can, we can, we can, we can defend that. And if Hollywood Brown's down, that's his deep threat out of the picture. And, and Duvernay, I think, is out as well. So his two speedster deep guys are going to be not out there. And Sammy Watkins has been playing, the, you know, more of that normal slot kind of guy that he's been, the short yarders kind of, you know, get to the sticks kind of receiver. So I just don't think it's in the cards for them, man. I don't think it's in the cards for Lamar to have some big blow-up blow game against the Chiefs. He's gonna to have to have that to compete, but I think the Chiefs can go out there and score a cool thirty and get out of there and get you know and remain healthy.
2: Yeah, I don't. I'm with Lance. I think it's gonna be a, a close game early. I, I do think it's gonna be a close game. I would say maybe the first half and then come second half with those adjustments and stuff like that. I think the Chiefs will then just run away with it. But I do think they're gonna go back and forth in the first half. I, I do think it's gonna be a close matchup. Uh, I think the Ravens are going to bring their A game, but like Lance said, I don't think they can keep that, that A game throughout the whole game. So I think by halftime, I think that A game might run out, and, and the Chiefs are just going to run away with it. That's how I see it. Uh, the the de- the only reason I see it like that is because our defense from previous seasons, and including last week's game, they like to start off slow. That That's something that they do. I know you, you like – because we're getting all these players back. I get it. But at the same time, that's going to be their first NFL game, full NFL game. So we don't know how uh, if they're conditioned enough to, to – to or whatever. We'll, we'll, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's just – are they going to start off like last week and the previous seasons before where they like to start off slow and then, like I said, second half come back and then do the adjustments and just – Run away with it. So that's how I see this going.
0: Yeah, I just look at it as yeah. We've started off slow. We've we've, we've gotten got before, but that's been through the air. Look how look out look, look how the Browns started off. They beat they were beating us deep, and we were expecting them to run. We know what this Ravens offense is, and we know if 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 he's down if Lamar's down other extra receivers, and he's down to Sammy Watkins and Mark Andrews. Double up, double up Mark Andrews. Let Sammy do what he does. You know, drop big passes and whatever. I just don't. If you're depending on Lamar to have a big game through his arm, they are going to lose and lose big. Yeah, see, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't
1: expect Lamar to have a great game. But he's going to have game. to. That's how we get beat I, I, I not don't, I don't agree, though, because I think what they're going to see is a surprisingly effective run game early from the Ravens that gets them on the board quick. You,
0: you don't think we're expecting that, though?
1: I, I believe they were expecting the Browns to do that. No, no, yeah, no and the they Browns still... didn't,
0: though. The Browns were beating us through the air early with those what? big plays through Schwartz and then the, obviously they finished off their drives with the run. game I mean they were bouncing with the play action but the run game is yeah. what predicated we're, they were yeah, they running, expecting, running expecting, all over the Chiefs they like, we were getting seven big, yards
2: at least yeah they were, yeah, they they no,
0: were but Baker, Baker, on the Baker was cooking early on though with the, with the throwing game and, and getting those deep balls to Schwartz right. and we had no idea who he even was. I'm not making the
1: debate that the, that the Ravens can replicate how the Browns played against the Chiefs my no, point no, is with a combination of everything being in the Ravens favor as far as being at home in front of a raucous crowd for the first time in over a year Having Lamar Jackson, the athletic you know, specimen that he is, I at don't think quarterback, anything's
0: in the Ravens' favor because Pat's I, I'm career, what career-wise ha- has been better on the road than he's been even at home. I know. So. I'm saying.
1: I'm saying on. Whatever they have in their favor is yeah. those things. I, that's what I'm saying. Those have to play into consideration. You're right. Sure. The Chiefs went undefeated last year on the road, but let's also contextualize the fact they didn't have no to offense. face road
0: crowds. Yeah, I mean, the that we've does seen play teams, teams like the Steelers benefit from that as what well. What I'm
1: saying is I think that's why the Ravens at first, because you know you always draw up your first 15-ish plays. Mm. I think the Ravens will have an effective game plan coming into this game with the Chiefs bringing back Tyron Matthew, who's working his way back in. I think that you're gonna see the Ravens play decent football, like, like Eddie just said offensively early. Creating a, a game where the Chiefs have to really start going out there and playing offense. They're, I don't think they're going to be in cruise control the entire game. I think at the end of the game, you'll see Patrick Mahomes handing it off, handing it off, Darrell Williams if he plays, uh, McKinnon, Clyde. I think you're going to see a lot of run game later in the game. Mm. But I think Patrick Mahomes has to have to go out there and answer back and clap back because we know that when Andy Reid wins the toss, what does he always do? He defers allowing the opposition to get ball first. Yeah. I think you're going to see Lamar play good early. And then you're going to see things start to unravel where the Chiefs take over, like a little bit like they did against the Browns. That's how I think this is going to go.
0: All right. So I'm like somewhere in the middle between. (laughs) Like I'm not having the Chiefs like obviously not score enough points, yeah, or like going crazy. I'm just having us like in the middle. We get in there, it's all business. Get out there, bang bang, go home healthy. That's how I'm seeing the Chiefs approaching this game because I I think the Chiefs understand they're at a major advantage here, but also don't underplay the, the how important this matchup is and the history of this matchup. So I just I think the Chiefs go out there and drop a cool 30 and take care of business, man. Well, we would love to hear from you guys. Let us know what you think
1: how this matchup is going to go. We're really excited about this one. We're a little over a day away about eh, 29 hours or so away from that game starting up, so we're really excited about that by the time you listen to this, I'm sure that you're already going to know the end results of some of you podcasters out there that listen throughout the week. You brave souls, you. Uh, but we need to get to the Monday mailbag. Uh, don't let me forget, guys. We actually have not one but two messages from our guy Stan Simmons out there in Fresno, not, Cali, Stan. representing out there in Cali. We're going to get to his uh, questions in a second. But, Eddie, what is in the Monday mailbag this week so far?
2: All right, man. First question comes from Shaggy Shane, friend of the show. Friend of the uh, show. Do you feel that the massive success of Travis Kelce and Tyreek Hill, that it creates an unfair criticism on the Chiefs' second wide receiver option, regardless if it was a healthy Sammy Watkins or a baby cheetah, Miko Hardman?
1: Do I think that they... <coughs> Do I think they give I, I, it...
2: Unfair criticism.
1: Yeah, I, I think that the fact... See, this is what's so funny. The Chiefs are the only team in the NFL, at least to my knowledge, that have two players so great in Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, two incredible All-Pro, annual All-Pro receiving options that make it to where if someone else isn't as great as they are, or at least at the at that that tier right below, that those other guys are abject failures. I think that's abs- absurd. McCole Hardman gets such unfair treatment, not to make this a, a case for just McColl, I think even to a degree, some, and even like Demarcus Robinson, I think that guys like that get sometimes unfairly criticized because they're not Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. But that's not their fault. Again, I brought up the whole McCole Hardman uh, conversation, and I can't defend McCole Hardman, what he says on social media sometimes, because he cares way too much, and, and he doesn't know how to you know d- uh, diffuse the noise. He's and young. Yeah, rise above it. He is 23 years old, so yeah. I understand that. I was 23 once as well. Hmm. I just think it's unfair... Because of the fact that you can't expect... And it's going to happen. It's continued to happen because when Mahomes is gone, the next quarterback for the Chiefs, people are going to expect him to be the next Patrick Mahomes. And that's just not fair. So because Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are such great players, they create this unfair uh, expectation on the guys surrounding them. Oh, who's the wide receiver two? At this point, it doesn't matter. Because we already have wide receiver one and wide receiver two. Travis Kelsey is a glorified wide receiver. He plays more wide receiver than he plays tight end. He lines up on the outside all the time. This happens. So the Chiefs already have their wide receiver 1 and wide receiver 2. It just depends on which one's going to be wide receiver, wide receiver 2 that week. Tyreek or Travis? Sometimes both. (laughs) Sometimes the Chiefs don't have a wide receiver 2. They just have wide receiver 1 twice. So it's, 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 it is it's unfair, and I think that you're going to see guys like McCool Hardman start to work their way into the offense more and more because of the fact that Patrick Mahomes is going to give them those ample opportunities against teams like the Ravens. Why do you think it's – there's no coincidence that McCool Hardman has his best numbers of his career against a defense like the Ravens. Why? Because there's so much man coverage. When you go against man coverage, you're going to see a lot of guys open. That's why – you remember the game last year, Tyreek Hills what was at almost a 70-yard touchdown? Mm-hmm. Man coverage. There was no safety help. That's why that happens. You're going to see more of that as the season goes on when these defenses
0: try to blitz Patrick Mahomes. So what exactly was the question again? Uh,
2: does the second uh, – because of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, does the uh, second wide receiver option deserve the unfair criticism? Or Yeah, I think that's what it said. Uh, I mean – does it the criticism? I don't know
0: what criticism is there just because there's lack of production from a third option. Is that what the criticism is? I don't, I don't look. I don't, I think the Chiefs are like one of the only teams that people really have this grief and this grief with because not a lot. of... I mean, name the other teams that people are talking about. Oh, the third option isn't performing good enough. That's how great Travis Kelsey and Tyreek yeah. Hill are. You don't hear that from other teams. You don't hear them talking about the Rams third option, you don't hear them talking about all these other, you know, the San Francisco 49ers third option. You don't hear all these, you know, it's. Usually it's the two, one or two stars offensively, and the other guys just kind of trickle in whenever they can. It just so happens that we've seen our third option score multiple touchdowns in a single season and have big, big, really big games. And then McCole Hardman's had really big games in his career already. I, I, I think this. I think we need to chill a little bit and let let our, let our offense do what we do, and let our two studs, uh, like, like obviously McCole made his statement. It is what it is. Like McCole understands his role. You know, there's gonna there's gonna be big moments for McColl. There's gonna be, and he's had his big moments, and he's performed well in really big moments and big games. Um, I'm not (laughs) I'm not worried about him, man. I'm really not. I don't think we need to have an elite third option, Um, sometimes fourth, because I think Clyde's gonna have really big games this year too. So I think this offense is fine. I think we're I think we're just kind of going in a little too deep on that. yeah, we have two absolute juggernaut receiving options, and Patrick Mahomes is who he is, and we've seen Patrick Mahomes make Albert Wilson look like a, a superstar out there in big moments. So not worried about our third or fourth option offensively, no.
2: Okay. Uh, next question comes from Donnie Couch. Hope you guys' this week was great. Um, are you happy with what you saw from Chris Jones in the second half versus the Browns at the defensive end? Well, first of all,
1: Donnie, this is actually a pretty decent week for me, so thank you for always uh, asking and caring about what we do in our lives, man. We appreciate that, and we hope everything's going good with you. We appreciate all your contributions here. Um, I I, I, th- I, was extremely impressed. I don't know how you couldn't be with Chris Jones, but I'm almost a victim of getting used to Chris Jones' greatness. Uh, Moving over from defensive tackle to defensive end is something that I was very excited to see Chris Jones do because he is so good at getting to the quarterback. I mean, you can make some questions of whether Chris Jones is great at the, against the run. There are questions about that. He also takes plays off. Sometimes he'll disappear for a quarter or two. But one thing that Chris Jones has always been great at is getting quarterback pressures. And now that he's on the outside and being able to have the performance he had against the Browns, not only just against an offensive line that great, but without his running mate and Frank Clark. Frank Clark wasn't there. Jaron Reed didn't do shit. Treshawn Wharton, Derek guys, none of those guys really did much. I think Mike Dana had a decent game. But Chris Jones was out there a lot of times on an island, and he still went out there and made things happen in big moments, creating pressure against Baker Mayfield, who's terrible against pressure as an undersized quarterback, as a guy that doesn't have a great arm. You saw Chris Jones play a significant factor and a significant – he was a significant reason why the Chiefs won the game. Mm. So the two, the two sacks are awesome, and I will say that – um, I don't expect Chris Jones to break the single season uh, sack record. I don't even think he's going to get the Justin Houston's. Yeah, leave that to Chandler but Jones. Would it shock anybody if Chris Jones has 18, 19 sacks this season? Not at all. Not at all. Because I think his first month, he's going to maybe arguably, outside of Chandler Jones, be the defensive player of the month. If he goes out there and has another couple sacks against the Ravens and has four sacks in the first two games, then with the 17th game, if the Chiefs even have to play that 17th game, you're talking about a season where he's going to have 16, 17 plus sacks. Then he's in the Defensive Player of the Year category, and I think that's the kind of season that Chris Jones is going to have. And I'm, I am impressed, but I'm not shocked in the slightest. Yeah,
0: I mean, uh, am I excited to, to you know, how, how, am I excited about Chris Jones? Am I, am I, am I okay with the production he's given so far? Absolutely. That was one of the best O lines in the league right there, and he got two sacks. I mean, what is this going to? Wait till this guy goes against subpar offensive lines, and they're moving him from the middle to the outside, bouncing him around. You know, this dude's going to recapping. I think he has a chance to break the record, but I'm not saying it's likely. But there is a chance because there's going he's going to have some big games. We saw, like I said, Chandler Jones. We just saw Chandler Jones have five sacks last week against the Titans, who said who's a team that doesn't take a lot of sacks, and he was getting there. And I think Chris Jones is better than Chandler Jones. I do. I believe that. I think he's a better talent. Um, and I think he, I think he's going to have a huge year. I think he's has a chance to have a career year. I know he's had uh, some big years in the past. I think he's got a great chance. And I think if this defense is firing at full cylinders and Willie Gay's back and our linebackers are doing what they do and, and our, our safety and corner play, I, I, I think we, we have a lot of hope to see where this defense can, can, go, can go this year. And I think a lot of it, and most of it, if not all of it starts up front with Chris Jones and the pressure. So I'm excited. Yes, I think he's going to have a big year.
2: All right, next question. Donnie Couch, what would you grade Clyde's performance and the usage of the running game versus the Browns as a, as a whole? That's a good
1: question. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Clyde like a C+. Plus. I don't think he did anything spectacular. There was a couple plays where he extended the drives. He had one play where he got that. He broke a couple tackles to get a first down.
0: He always makes the first guy he, miss. He I'll wasn't, give him that. Yeah, he
1: wasn't a negative by any means. I just didn't see anything as a whole that impressed me to the point where I'm going to give him a B and, a, and above. Um, I'm expecting big things from Clyde this season. I think overall, in totality, it was a good first game against a good proven defense. But I'm going to say C-plus at this point. But I'm expecting better things from this week against the Ravens on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I nothing special, obviously. I think I really want, like I said, like I've said it over and over again since we drafted him, his strong suit, and you can go watch his tape at LSU, he was an amazing receiver at running back. I want to see more of that. I think we I mean, it's not all his fault. We haven't really, I haven't seen a lot of like design plays to throwing him the ball or, or running a wheel route or some kind of, you know, short slant and get him in space. Like the guy is incredible in space. He's one, he's in, go watch his tape, man. Even watch his tape since he's been in the pros. He almost always makes the first guy miss. The guy, the first guy trying to tackle him, might as well not even try because his 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 initial step and his, it's almost like MJD back in the day. How he, he's that bowling ball type, shorter, smaller guy, but is so elusive. He's great in space. We just need to get him in space. I want to see some deacon dunk plays to him, some setup, you know, some some design plays to get him in the passing game, especially in the red zone. He was so good at LSU in the red zone in the passing game. I want to see more of that, and I think he's going to have more opportunities moving forward. Uh, the game, the way the game was going, we were trailing most of the time. So we couldn't really get his juices going in the running game because we were having to throw the ball a bunch, and that was a good defensive front too. So I think maybe you know, maybe, and I think it starts this week against the Ravens. I think we really, really, really get Clyde involved, and I think we we have more of a matriculated type of uh, uh, longer drives against this Ravens team because we could take advantage of them and just, it, it, and get him in the rhythm. And I think this is, this is going to be where the year really starts for Clyde this week. But I I I have faith in him. Um, I think he's got the talent, and I think he has a good year.
1: It's always a good take when you use the word matriculate. Yeah. So anytime you say matriculate... It's a fun word. Yeah, I it's, sign it, off it. On rolls it rolls off of a tongue. LT. I just put yeah. that on the bottom.
2: <laughs> uh, next question, Donnie Couch. Which, lo- which team that lost in week one surprised you the most? You know,
1: I think the Packers are the easy answer here. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it Those isn't just the that they lost. Favorite. They got their asses handed to them. So I'm going to have to go with the second... Most surprising loss. I, I'm I'm probably gonna go with. I mean, the Jaguars because I had the freaking Texans going 0 and 17, so that didn't work out so well. for me. they got smacked around yeah, too. It was the
0: shit bowl though. Yeah, They're two of the worst teams in the NFL. I'm gonna
1: say Bills. And the reason why is not because the Steelers aren't a decent enough team. I, I don't believe in the Steelers this year, and I I'm, I don't think that game really showed me much. I think it actually told me more about the Bills, honestly. Because I think the Bills were a team, and we talked about this before when we made our predictions. I have them 12-5, and five and I'm sticking with that because yeah. they're a good enough team. Their problem, though, is I, I wonder teams like them who have really good seasons and they're trying to build off that, sometimes you buy your own hype. And you come in games a little too comfortable, and they had a packed house for the first time in over a year. You know, a team like the Steelers, who got exposed early, uh, late in the year last season. You know, we don't know what Ben Roethlisberger is going to be. Their offensive line sucks, and and the Steelers go in there and don't score in the first half, and still beat you by a touchdown in your place. Yeah. Josh Allen threw the ball over forty times and had one touchdown pass. That's not good. That's not good. A guy that everyone's anticipating is going to be the MVP of the season, or at least a lot of people, not us here. But a lot of people were saying Josh Allen's going to win the MVP this year. That was a statement game. Yeah. That game, to me, showed that the, the, Bills, the Bills got a ways to go still, man, because yeah. although the Steelers' defense is good, let's give them credit here. They have a really good defense. Mike Tomlin is a top-10 coach without question. A team that comes into your house with a 39-year-old quarterback that doesn't score in the first half
0: beats you. Yeah. That's unacceptable. That defense man. straight up beat up Josh Allen. Um, beat his ass. I think they bounce back against Miami because Josh Allen's done nothing but burn Miami every, yeah. time, every time. No matter how good that defense is, Josh Allen just knows how to destroy them. He probably he bounces back. I think this next week, but hopefully, shit for their sake. Um, I, I'm going to give my my most surprising loss, and it's not just that they lost because I think the Cardinals are a good team, but the Titans the way that <laughs> the way that they lost, they do smoked. Tannehill threw the ball 35 times, completed 21. Uh, one touchdown, one pick. I, 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 he had a couple fumbles too, yeah, I think. Yeah. Derrick Henry, seventeen carries for fifty-eight yards, no touchdowns. They couldn't get Julio Jones involved. He is three for twenty-nine. Taylor a, Luan got AJ Brown scored, but AJ Brown was four for forty-nine. Final score: thirty-eight to thirteen. The way they lost was just the the, the biggest thing to I me. Mean, not that they were the like the most surprising loss, because I think that was a fairly good matchup. But they absolutely got destroyed. And they have they have a lot of expectations and hype going into this season too with the addition of Julio Jones. Yep. you know if you think that that would open up more for the running game for Derrick Henry, because they had to worry about not only AJ Brown but Julio Jones, a legendary Hall of Fame talent. And now he's got Coach Rabel publicly calling him out. Like, yeah, it's one not, weekend, <laughs> it's not looking good out there right now. For that's a rough start for the Titans, who I had. Pretty, I mean, I have them winning the division, but Arizona might be better than we expected. That defense looked so good. But the Cardinals did this last season where they came out looking really hot. True. I think they were like 6-2. and two. Yeah. yeah, I think they, were they like started like six off and two. 4-0. Yeah, and then they ended up going 8-8, I think, yeah. wasn't it? They ended up going 8-8. Kyler looked incredible, though, bro. This is how it goes. I, that's that's why a I don't bad buy, Titans defense. Though. I don't
1: buy that Cardinals team. Just for the record, five I don't want to dive on. Five touchdowns want, for Kyler. Yeah, dude. I don't want to dive Four. on.
0: He bowled out.
1: Kyler looked incredible. Yeah. I just think that that's how this Cardinal team. That's just their reputation. They look really good out the gate, and then they just kind people kind of figure them out a little bit, and then you just start to see them start. But this losing could be games. a year
0: that Kyler takes that next step. That scramble play where division man. That
1: scramble play where he was
0: like moving in between yeah. defenders. It was incredible.
1: <laughs> but I think you would agree man. though that 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 game I think told us more about the Titans.
0: That's what. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's why I'm giving this loss yeah. because of how they lost. Let's let's say the
1: Cardinals go do that against the Rams, and then we can start talking. Yeah, I, let's, for let's, sure. They get them twice, so let's let's see that.
2: Yeah, that's yeah.
1: <laughs> that's that's a good answer though. I like that one. Yeah.
2: All right, last question, uh, Donnie Couch. Would signing John Brown be a good move for the Chiefs?
1: I mean, yeah, I guess. I, I look, uh, we just got to talking about it. When it comes to this Chiefs offense, we know that Patrick Mahomes can spread the ball around. I mean, in 2019, when they won the Super Bowl, the first six weeks of the game of the season, the first six weeks of the season, there was a new receiver, leading receiver for the Chiefs in all six games. Hmm. There was not the same guy one time over the first six weeks. So Patrick can spread the ball out. The thing about it, though, is in this offense, we all know at the end of the day, it's going to be Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. So unless there's some unforeseen injury. I don't see how bringing John Brown in is going to add to the equation of productivity because this team is already so damn productive because they have the best quarterback in the NFL, the best play caller in the NFL, with the two of the five best receiving options in the NFL. So John Brown might be a good talent as far as a speedster is concerned, but the Chiefs already have that McCole Hardman. So I don't know really what he, he doesn't elevate this offense. Is he a name? Sure. He's a name. He's had good seasons. He's fast. But I just don't know what he's going to really bring to this team that makes an ultimate difference. Am I on board with it? Okay, fine. Like, I would sign off on it. I'm not sitting here saying, don't bring him in. I just don't know what he brings. Yeah, I mean, if we can swap out
0: D-Rob for him, I'm all on board. Well, in that uh, case,
1: I, then please make it happen. I
0: think, yeah, yeah. So. But, but I think this team, unfortunately, loves D-Rob, and we saw more of the same from D-Rob. You know, Trying to run backwards before he runs forward and trying to like gain some kind of like momentum. year
1: six and he still doesn't know what straight means. He just yeah, didn't run forward.
0: It's infuriating, but um, I, I I'm a big John Brown, Smokey John Brown fan. I have always been. Um, everywhere he's gone, he's had he's he's produced. He's a good deep, great deep ball guy. Uh, he's a fairly good route runner too. He's a little slept on with his route running abilities. He's an undersized guy, but he he would bring a great addition to the speed that we already have. Um. He could be a punt return guy, too, at times. I, he's, just, he's kind of made a glass the last few years, though. He gets injured a lot. It's just kind of one of those things, if it happens, it happens cool. It's not like one of those things is like, oh, this puts us over the top. We got John Brown. No, I mean, the, the guy voluntarily left the Raiders, which is kind of funny, too. But maybe he maybe he wasn't looking good. If the Raiders were fine with just letting him walk away, then he must not be that great at this point of his career, if we're being honest. So I, I like him. I'm a fan of him. But if we get him, if we don't, it, it, it's really neutral for me. All right, uh, we
1: have, is that all the questions? Okay, so we have two messages from our guy Stan Simmons. All right. I'm really excited about this. I'm going to go ahead and play this on my phone so you guys can hear the message. Uh, I'm going to start with the one that, oh, they both came out the same day, so we're just going to let these ones ride.
3: Hey, guys, this is Stan. Um, I've been leaving messages. i uh, just been having trouble getting the microphone to link up with Anchor. Um, I think I got the problem rectified. Anyway, uh, I'll ask you again what I asked last week. Uh, Patrick Mahomes got the number one ranking in the uh, vote about the NFL players, his peers. And uh, if you look at the YouTube page, he had almost 1,000 dislikes. And I asked you last week, do you feel that he's becoming polarizing? Um, Seems like, uh, like Pat's a humble dude, but for some reason he gets like a bad rap. Through certain media members. He just uh, seems like, um, for their reason, um, he uh, rubs certain uh, talking heads the wrong way. Anyway, that's the question I asked last week. So, what do you think? You think Pat's become polarizing? Yes or no? Thank you. Have a good one.
1: No, Stan, you have a good one, man. That was a great question. You know what? Yeah. We've talked about I'm going to get to the second question in just a second, but I want to attack that one first and foremost. There are a lot of reasons why I think people are getting sick of Patrick Holmes. First of all, I think the one we all know is because of the fact that he is so great at football and people are already praised him and put him up there with the upper echelon. Even uh, some of the biggest writers and biggest names in, in, in sports media have already talked about him being next to Brady and all the other big, recognizable quarterbacks throughout history because he belongs there. And it's because he's so early in his career, people are getting sick about that. This. this is why LeBron got so, many, so much heat back in the day up to this point. It's because so early, LeBron was so great that... He was being compared to Michael Jordan, guys like that. At that time, were still greater than him. It was pissing people off that don't want to let go of the past. And there are a lot of people out there that don't want to give Patrick Mahomes the credit he deserves for what he's done in only three years and some change as a starting quarterback in this league, which is unprecedented to begin with. It's funny people will talk about how, well, of course Patrick Mahomes is playing so great. He's got he's got uh, Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and Tyree Hill. But then you start praising those guys for what they do, and well, Andy Reid's a choke artist in the in the in the playoffs without Patrick Mahomes. Well, well, Travis Kelsey couldn't put up these big numbers before Patrick Mahomes. Tyreek Hill wasn't put up these historic numbers before Patrick Mahomes. So which one is it? Which yeah. one is it? Like, which one are we going with Which goalposts post we moving today? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which, yeah how, are we, how are we doing this, guys? Which dance are we making today? Are we doing the truffle truffle? What are we doing? Yeah, because I, I don't know. The fact is, Patrick Mahomes is like unlike anything we've ever seen that pisses people off, and I don't give a shit. But there's also another aspect to this, and we're going to get real for a second. It's because he's also a mixed player. And there's a lot of black uh, black sports media athletes. That's a real thing. They, they don't like they don't like Patrick Most for that very reason. Yeah. It's a real thing. We've heard we've heard this from people that we know and trust oh, in yeah, media. Yeah, absolutely. That people do not want to give him full credit because he's not a full brother as yeah. some people like it's, to call. That's him. real. It's that's a real thing. Yeah. And also he, he's with a white woman and that yeah. also makes some people uncomfortable. But that's his life choices and he's happy and I'm happy that he's happy. He's living a great life. That's also another thing is people are envious of Patrick Mahomes because it looks like he's got a little bit of that Derek Jeter thing where everything just just seems to go his way in life. He's just so successful. Things go so well. He was a privileged kid growing up. His father is a former athlete. Pat Mahomes Sr. is a former baseball player. Mm -hmm. So he grew up in a good life. He had a really good life. And some people didn't get that. A lot of athletes, a lot of pro athletes didn't have a great life growing up. That's why they saved their family and made generational wealth for their families. And that's awesome. That is a great story to have. That's not Patrick's story. Patrick Patrick came for money. Patrick had a good upbringing. He had his parents. He had a good life. And people are mad about that. Those are things that he can't control, but he was able to have, and he's a fortunate person for that. So people don't like Patrick Mahomes for those reasons, in my opinion, and from what I've heard from people that I trust in the media circuits. That's how people view him, and that's why you see a lot of bullshit out there being flung his way, even though he's done nothing negative to a single soul out there. There's literally not a controversial bone in Patrick Mahomes' body. He's a great human being, and he's a great football player.
0: I don't know how you can hate him. But I, those are the reasons why I've I've heard that people don't like Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean there are those things out there. But when I think of Patrick Mahomes, the last thing I think about is polarizing. Outside of his play being polarizing, his personality. I mean the guy is super easygoing. Does he always says the right things? You know, uh, being a player for Andy Reid, you're not going to have somebody that's like super controversial. He hasn't been controversial. You know he's support he supported you know a lot of social issues. You know, he's been been very vocal about the things that he, he should be vocal about. I don't understand what would be polarizing about Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I, if you don't like what he's done in his personal life and made personal decisions with, you know, who he's married to and whatever, blah, 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 or the cultural issues within that culture, so be it. That's that's a you problem for whoever has the problem with him about that. That's, that that's I mean, Jesus Christ, that's archaic mindset stuff. That's not, <laughs> it's 2021, guys. Like, it's. It, <laughs> Getting mad about cultural things like that, and who's what color this person's uh, uh, lover is, and what color their child is, and just whatever. I don't know. I don't know really know all all the things that makes the the trend or the idea that he's even a polarizing person. Pat's a big kid. He plays video games, and he's incredible at football i don't understand i don't i don't even know why that's even a thing but yeah i haven't i don't i don't think i'm in the twitter sphere as much enough to even like get into that deep of a rabbit hole to where that's the idea of of what patrick mahomes is but i guess i'm more separated than that i don't get too deep into that when i look at patrick mahomes i just look as a, a dude that loves playing football and is great at it and happens to be extremely gifted and grew up really well and has a good head on his shoulders and uh is looking to be a great father as long as a great quarterback. So I don't understand, yeah, why that would even be a thing.
1: Then uh, Stan actually had another uh, message for us. So we got two this week from our guy Stan Simmons, we're always grateful for. Here's the second one.
3: Hey, guys. I have a question again. Um, first game of the season was this past Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the Chiefs managed to pull out a victory. Um I was a little surprised that the defense wasn't able to come up with any key stops in the first half. How concerned are you going forward with the defense? Now, I understand Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns were very hyped up for this game, but do you feel any type of concern uh, heading uh, into the season uh, about the defense? Also, Tyron Matthew wasn't playing, neither was Frank Clark. But I'm a little nervous about the defense heading into the season. Uh, how concerning are you with the defense? Seems, it seems to, be acting, uh, seems to be missing some type of um, athleticism, uh, especially along the edge. What do you guys think? Have a good one.
1: Again, thank you, Stan Simmons. You have a great one too, brother, all the way out there in Fresno Cali. Man, we always appreciate him contributing to the mailbag. I'll say this had the chiefs had tyron matthew out there and they played the way they did defensively i would be a little concerned because mm-hmm. this is now year three with spagnolo and tyron matthew and if he would have been fully healthy fully capable even if frank clark was missing because i don't think frank clark's a, a, a humongous factor in this defense as a whole um if they would have lost if they would have had tyron matthew out there and they played the way they did i would be concerned I am still, at the same time, concerned about a few things, and I actually I stand with Stan on this one with the athleticism. There, the Chiefs are missing athleticism in the Gay. defense, and especially yes, especially at linebacker. Yeah. I think Nick Bolton is is, is going to be a really good player in this league, and I think that you're starting to see it early. But with Ben Neiman and Anthony Hitchens, who are not too great athletes, I think you're missing Willie Gay big time, and Willie Gay has Coverage. to develop. The, we have concerns though about Willie Gay's availability and his health. I don't know if he's gonna be a guy that can play a full season. That's gonna be that's yet to be seen. But I, there is validity in, in the concern that Stan has because outside of Chris Jones, this defense did not have a good game. Juan Thornhill did have make a few key plays. Mike Hughes did bring down that ball. Dan Sorensen had that one nice trip play. Uh-huh. But overall, the defense didn't play well. So there are there are factors to it: injuries, playing against a really good team. It is week one. You gotta gel. There's all these things. I don't expect this Chiefs defense to play like this in week six, week seven, week eight, and beyond. I think the first month, though, with the consideration of having a tough schedule out the gate, with players coming back in, some of the veteran players you're missing coming back in, I think there's going to be some of those things to consider. But I'm not going to overreact to the defense if they don't play great for the first five weeks because of those factors.
0: Yeah, I'm encouraged. I'm a glass half full guy right now with this defense. Uh, I was encouraged by the way that they made the plays when we needed them to. and I think the, the great thing about this Chiefs team is, is we have such a great offense. When you have such a great offense, that ben, your defense benefits off that because your teams are f- having to, to force plays and, and try to keep up offensively to counteract our offense. So th- what that does simultaneously is that forces more options or opportunities for error from those opposing teams because they're, they're trying to pace our offense. So that. This defense is going to benefit off that as the t- season goes on, and that was one of the better teams we're going to face all year. I really believe it. I, I like that this Cleveland team is going to be good this year. Um, that's why I had them winning the division, um, and they brought it, man. It was Week One. They brought it. Uh, so kudos to them. I'm going to give them all the credit in the world. That that was a hard fought game, and we we, we made the. But the the-, we- the reason I'm encouraged by this defense is <clears throat> we were very shorthanded, <clears throat> and we made the plays when we needed to. When we needed us to, to you know force a stop, uh, or get a sack, or hit Baker and force him to make an, uh, an errant throw, and, and you know and, and finish the game with a pick, like it was it was incredible, man. Um, it, there's always concerns with there's always negatives with the positives. There's pros with the cons. So there are things to take away. We were lacking athleticism for sure. Willie Gay for sure. Uh, Nick Bolton was not good in coverage. That's not really his strong suit. He could get better as his career goes on, but. Willie Gay was de- is definitely our better coverage uh, linebacker, so we were definitely missing that in the the short game, and the uh, you know the short passes and to the tight ends and such. Um, so we were missing that for sure. We were missing the leadership of Tyrone. You know, we were, li- we were missing the other uh, counter to Chris Jones on the on the opposite side of the edge with 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 uh, Frank Clark. So yes, I think this defense is going to get better as the year goes on. I don't think it's nothing to really worry about. Um, We never, like, the Chiefs never, like, get blown out. You know what I mean? Like, the Chiefs, that just doesn't happen. Our defense never really allows blowouts. Outside of the Raiders game last year, like, that wasn't really a blowout, but we were getting slaughtered there for a little bit. Um, So this defense, I I really think we're going to find our balance. We're going to find our rhythm. And I I, I think this defense is going to be the best defense that that Patrick's ever had. I think this defense is going to get better as the year goes on. And I really, really think that we're expecting big things from Chris Jones, and it starts there. Well, Stan, I hope we answered those
1: questions as best as we could. And for everybody else that was in the mailbag, thank you all so much. We always appreciate that each and every week. Drop it on our Monday mailbag on our Facebook page on The Spoken, or you can drop us like our guy Stan Simmons. Drop a message on our Anchor app, man. We always appreciate that. We always love and hear, appreciate when our guy Mr. Simmons drops a question or two. And I can say or two this time because he actually dropped two. We have one more order of business, and then we're getting out of your hair. Guys, What is it called?
3: Hold Robert this L. L
1: each and every week. We like to wrap up each and every episode with the series of L's in the world of sports, whether they're friendly or not friendly. We promise you whoever's holding them L's deserves those motherfuckers. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo Yo, yo, who was holding L for you
2: this week? Is it F1? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna give it to Rebel. Uh They could have had a, a decent uh, outcome to the to the whole horrible, horrible race on uh on Sunday this past week in Italy. Uh obviously Max and Lewis crashed and they had their little you know their little thing uh so they were out of the race little thing Uh, (laughs) so (laughs) the only thing that could have saved red bull was uh sergio perez and he was running third and uh well he was running fourth and then he passed charles leclerc on a on a maneuver that obviously uh he cut the corner so therefore he had to give the position back Mm. uh this is when his rookie engineer uh, told Sergio Perez or Checo, uh, no, you don't have to do that. Don't give the position back. Even though Checo asked, hey, do we need to give the position back? And they told him no. Say where you're at. Okay. So he finished the race in third place, but then he was given a five-second penalty for not giving the position back. This He finished fifth on that race when he could have gotten a, a podium a third place finish. Uh, it was an amazing race. He started ninth. Uh, gave him the. Uh, I gave him the L because he was ninth behind uh, an Alpha Romeo, who shouldn't. Yeah, it shouldn't happen ever. Uh, but he held out. Uh, Bautista. He he held him for quite a bit of laps, uh, and you know, for Red Bull to just kind of fucking throw his race away like that. Uh, obviously, it was his mistake. Uh, but it could have been corrected if they would have just said yes, give the position back. And then Chago would have taken him easily uh, in a couple laps or maybe the following lap. So a uh, third-place finish would have been fantastic. But obviously uh, Sergio Perez's engineer is a rookie. This is his first season in Formula 1 as an engineer. So, yeah. You're going to ruin a, a, your own race, your own driver. So for that... Red Bull, you're gonna have to do me a favor and hold, hold this, this L. L.
0: Trevor
1: Twidwell, who's holding L for you this week, and how depressing is it?
0: It's it's uh it's up there. Um, <laughs> okay, so running back for the ers Niners, uh, Raheem Mostert, he's never had like a long. He's never had a long bill of health. He's uh.
2: Damn, you giving the L? No, 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 oh.
0: no. We're, we're, let it play out. Like, damn. <laughs> um, no, and I've actually been a big fan of him. I drafted him this year in my fantasy league, uh, expecting oh, no, no, it. no, expect him to be. I, anytime that you're, you're the lead running back for the for the Shanahan's Niners, you're going to have some great production. They always put up numbers no matter what name is on the jersey. But he, Raheem's been a great productive player when he is healthy, and he was good in the in the, in the Super Bowl when he played us. Um, He's been a good player. He's a he's a. I like his personality. He's always been a good guy. Um, very very liked amongst his peers. Unfortunately, week one, in the first couple of plays, he went down, and now he has to take season ending in or surgery. Um, but that's it's not the injury that's that's that that my L is going to. It's the fans of the, uh, of San Francisco. Um, I'm just gonna read this article to you real quick. So, <clears throat> Raheem Mostert's wife says she was inundated with hateful social media messages after the San Francisco 49ers' uh, back was sidelined on Sunday with a knee injury. Mostert left Sunday's win over the D- Detroit Lions after two carries and did not return. He was placed on injury reserve on Monday and is expected to miss eight weeks. Now he's missing the season with a chip knee cartilage, uh, according to head, head coach uh, Kyle Shanahan. According to his wife, Devin Mostert, fans sent her... Hundreds and thousands of direct messages on Sunday that include telling her that Raheem should kill himself and be cut. She pleaded with the fans to cease the heartless commentary. On, uh, in an Instagram post late Sunday uh, said this: "It's days like today that we, I truly contemplate never getting on social media again." Devin wrote, as if t- as if today wasn't hard enough to get on here and have DMs about my husband, how my husband should kill himself, about how he, how he should be cut. And how he's made of glass, and I sh- and I know I shouldn't care, but wow, 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 wow! Who's sending nasty messages? Moster 29 in his seventh NFL season and his fifth uh, year with the 49ers. After a breakout 29 ca- 2019 campaign to San Francisco's NFC uh, championship season, he missed eight games last season with an injury and is scheduled to miss more this season. Out for the season. Uh, yeah, he was widely drafted as a starting running back uh, on fantasy football teams, myself included. Um, Devin pleaded with the followers to recognize the reality of Mostert's situation rather than their own concerns as fans she's quoted again the nasty things some of you just carelessly say is gut-wrenching Devin continued I don't think y'all get it football is my husband's job it's how my family eats to read such heartless and degrading comments about a person I love hurts and I try to shake them off I do Mostert is far from the first athlete to draw abusive outrage from the fans on social media, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I just, man, I know almost every fan base has got their 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 gutter crew. You know, their, their sewer dwellers. But, I mean, the guy's already hurt, and he's out now out for the year. You don't think this guy worked his whole life to become a pro athlete, be in a great position to be successful on a great roster, great coach, and just happens to go down again. It's not. It's not his fault that he he went down with injury. It's not his family's fault. You don't DMing the man's wife, like it, that is so low to me. I don't understand how someone can get on there. This that, that we have a mental illness problem in this country. First of all, I get that. And that's who these people have to be. I'm I'm trying to give them the credit that they might be insane. But I mean, that's just unacceptable to me, man. I don't understand. And I'm sure, I'm sure countless amount of athletes go through this, whether they're injured or not or they blow a game or they have a bad game. We've seen this before, but that's just rough, man. The guy goes out for the season in week one, done for the year. This is his hopes and dreams. This is what he worked his entire life for. Imagine working your life for something and you fall flat and it's something out of your control and you're getting death threats. People telling you to take your take your own life. People inboxing your wife and your loved ones about you. Yeah. That's about as low as you can get as a fan in any sport. I don't care what it is. So for that, San Francisco 49ers fans, do me a big favor and hold, hold this L. L.
1: Yeah, that's – this yeah. is why I almost feel like like social media – Like I don't blame social media for societal issues yeah. because society is what makes social media what it is. Yeah. But I, I do think there is a certain point where I – I, I wouldn't blame athletes or famous people if they got off social media for those very reasons. He,
0: I don't think he's responded. He, he put out a note about the injury when it initially happened, and he talked about his season-ending injury, but he... God, dude, for me as a man. I feel so bad for his wife because it's yeah, like. Inboxing and I was even, wife, he, yeah, inboxing my wife,
1: I was hearing some uh, race, racist banner about them too because she's a white woman yeah. who's a black player. Right. A black man. They were they were trying to make that also a thing. That's and it's just always like, a thing. Yeah, yeah it, it's super disappointing, man, yeah. in every regard. And this is honestly, I'm not saying this is something I deal with, but I, this is why I have full disclosure here. It's why I've gotten away from uh, fantasy football altogether. And I know, Trevor, you're big in it. You love it. And, and it's because you know how to handle it correctly. Yeah. For me it's just because I don't want to get I don't want to ever have the temptation of being frustrated with a human for not doing their job in, in a way like that and it cost yeah, me never money. Once it's like a, that was my risk. Yeah, you never never know what once mean? has
0: death threatening and inboxing in that player's wife been a thing for me. So yeah,
1: I man.
3: don't I've never just, gotten there it's but, pathetic. But, Yeah. Well,
1: man. mine is a lot less pathetic. I actually have a W I want to start with. Um, we know that the Manning family is a foundational piece not just in football but in sports media, in sports entertainment, Paint Manning is one of the best personalities in the world when Absolutely. it comes to sports. He's also arguably the greatest quarterback that's ever lived. Um, Patrick Mahomes. But uh, outside of that, uh, yeah. And then Eli Manning, nobody really knew he had this kind of personality until the last couple of years when he was getting closer to retirement. And he really started to open up and you see how funny Eli can actually be. He's a little more of a dry, humorous kind of guy. But they they eventually they uh, officially implemented the new Manning uh, option for Monday Night Football. They call it Manning Night Football, basically. And I love this idea. I love this idea, and it actually was really good. I had some critiques about it. I I, watched it all. Yeah, it was it it was really. I I, I watched the the first like quarter with the normal broadcast, and then I turned it over, and it was a lot of fun. I think they could do a little bit better. I don't know if it really translates to live, to live football. I would like to see more of a reactionary type of show where they do like a, a YouTube series for Monday Night Football where they kind of like it's break the game down. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a little – it's not It's not exactly on pace with the game. Sometimes they get a little distracted. They don't talk about what's going on in the field sometimes. Sometimes. But I like the gimmicks they utilized. The little one Peyton trying to fit the helmet on to do it and fit. And Eli made a joke about that. That <laughs> oh, was Oh, what hilarious. do you know? The helmet that
0: fits your head. <laughs> they didn't like have that still was funny.
1: They brought Travis Kelsey on who said shit on yeah. live TV, which was hilarious. You know, Russell Wilson was really good. He had a cool little theory about how to uh, implement uh, rules into the game that would make the NFL better. They I love this stuff. They, were, yes. oh, they got to bring Marshawn
0: on there. Yes. Oh God. You. Yes. Like got it was you.
1: really good content. And I think that it actually elevates Monday Night Football. Yeah. I think I think this really helped things out. Idea. So yeah. I'm going to give a W to the Manning brothers for ESPN and for them putting this thing together. I think it was a really good idea. Like I said, I think they could critique it a little bit better, make it a little bit uh, more fluid for the game that's going on and not be so distracting because sometimes it kind of took away from the product on the field, and I don't think that's ever a good thing. But yeah. I said uh, overall the origin is, of it, this is great. And anything with the Manning brothers I'm signed up for, even Coop is great on uh, yeah. Fox on NFL, NFL on Fox. Fox, rather, he's great on that as well. So the Manning family is just killing it. I'm going to give a W to all of them, but I'm actually going to give an L to the other broadcast team because it took away from them. Steve Levy is so good at his job. Uh, Lewis Riddick is so great at his job, and Brian Greasy's pretty damn good too. Yeah, that t- that trio it's was really group. really good. But nobody cares now. <laughs> That's like true. that really sucks. Like I feel that ESPN's kind of like biting their own hand here because they they went and finally got it right at broadcast because we saw Booger and Jason Witten and that atrocious team. I mean, I think uh, Joe Testor was actually really good. He's never really had the supporting cast, mm. but they finally got it right since since John left five years ago. They finally got it right. This is a good nucleus. And the moment they got it right, they're now putting the Manning brothers yeah. as their competition of the sorts ratings. on ESPN 2 So I'm going to give an L to that that broadcast team because as good as they are, they don't get they don't stand a chance against the Manning boys. So in that, do me a solid, ESPN one and hold, hold this, this L. L. <laughs> that might have been the lightest L I've ever given out because it's not. I'm not even trying to be like mean. It's just no, like that's true. It I just sucks I for them, man.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> But um, man, that was a fun show, guys. Absolutely, it was a good time. Stan Simmons gave us two messages. We had a really good mailbag. I made all the sense about my Chiefs and Browns takes. I mean, this is just a good week. Oh yeah, and by the way, we had Mark Gunnels on the show. That was Hell also yeah. a blast. Shout out, Mark, man. Shout out to my guy. Please give him a follow, guys. He is seriously awesome at what he does, and he's a contributor to Arrowhead Pride. Now we already know those are our guys. He's a LeBron guy. You know, yeah, so. he's a big LeBron Naturally, guy. Yeah, smart. so oh, you're gonna love that, Eddie, especially. <laughs> But if for everybody that helped out with this man, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for the great Clay Windler for Mark Gunnels, for Arrowhead Pride, all those guys over there, I am Lance Twidwell of The Spoken Podcast. Episode 134 is done. It's finished. It's finito. And it's a 135. We break down that Chiefs-Ravens game next week. We're out of this bitch. Have fun. Yeah. later. We're gonna get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya.
3: You are tuned into
1: spoken. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a
0: little bit.